This is the Joy of Geek. Welcome to the Joy of Geek podcast. I am Rich Lepore and I am here with... Kevin Schaefer. And we have a special guest. We do. Today we have a longtime friend of the show um, who we've know, I've known since my days at NC State's college newspaper when I was a wee little freshman, but Young, <laughs> introduce yourself here. Yeah, my name's Young and uh, I'm part of the lineage of, uh, of editors at uh, our college paper, so excited to be here. And excited to chat about um, what we got to chat about today. Nice. So like Look I, at him. He's got the. He knows how to bury the lead a little. Go oh ahead. yeah. No. So <laughs> when I stepped into the technician office my freshman year, it was Young and Jordan were the features editors. They had the that back then they had like a features office there. Now it's the student media advisor is there. Uh-huh. But uh, they had it just stacked with comic books in there. So I was like, Beautiful. I know my home is here. Yeah, <laughs> I have arrived. Yes. And it's yeah. fun when we go when we go out to dinner. It's us. A um, couple other people who have been on the show as well. Yeah. Um, and you literally can see, sitting across the table from you, three or four generations yeah. of features and arts and entertainment editors for the technician at NC State. So that's really cool. Um, it's led us to be sort of lifelong friends. Yep. And um, it's also led to this podcast. Yeah. So <laughs> here we are, and we are going to be talking about something else that has a nice long lineage, and that is the Mission Impossible franchise. I believe the first one was 96? Was Seven, it? I 97? think. Yeah, 97? Yeah, 97. Right. Young is also a fact-checking master, so he's going to be on this while we're while we're going at it. But the franchise has been around, needless to say, for a very long time. Six it's movies. Yeah. Six six films in the uh, in the franchise up to this point. And about and, six times as many life-threatening uh, <laughs> scenarios for Tom Cruise. I know. This guy, he, man, I mean, it's almost become, you know, the story behind the story, right? Or even it's taken front and center how I risky he so. is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are actually YouTube. There's a YouTube channel, and you can actually watch all of behind scenes footage. And some of it is just as exciting as the movie itself. Just oh, watching yeah, Tom no. Cruise yeah. like do his own stunts and all that. So it's it's actually it it has been more than twenty years because the first one actually I just looked this up. It was indeed 1996. Wow. So more than twenty years years doing this, and Tom Cruise as it stands right now, it looks like he's still going strong. I mean, he looks great. Um, the dude is, you know, he's one of those actors that every time he's in a movie, there was a long time when I was younger, I used to say Jerry Maguire was my favorite movie. Now, that's not very film buffy of me, but <laughs> at, the, at the same time, on from a Hollywood perspective, that movie just made me feel great. I love his character in it, fell in love with Renee Zellweger, all these different reasons. Point being, though, that Tom Cruise, when he is in a movie... He really makes a movie. He is a quintessential movie star. And I don't love him, and I've said this many times before, I don't love him as a human, necessarily, <laughs> but I That's love him. That's a nice way him. of saying it, but yeah. <laughs> I love him as an actor, you know? And he's, I think he does come from an age where, um, of like bankable like movie stars like Jackie Chan and like um, I, 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 uh, other movie stars where it's like, they will bring in the tickets. Mm-hmm. Like Brad Pitt. You will mm-hmm. go see a Brad Pitt you movie. You will, yeah. Um, and I think we're we're maybe in a different age right now where it's like you don't have those guaranteed movie stars necessarily. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. You're, you know, you're absolutely yeah. right. Even the biggest names like your Scarlett Johansson's and people like that have bombs now. Yeah, people yeah. don't turn out necessarily. People, and I think actors are, you know, pursuing more 
art like they want their artistic vision out there which i can respect but at the same time there's something to be said about you know that day and age you know where, i know it yeah i know what you mean the schwarzeneggers <laughs> and the stallones yeah. and the you know the meryl streep is a little different but you know those kind of people that just had this just iconic force in right. the movie theater um yeah that's a really good point yeah and Tom Cruise is certainly that. Yeah, and this franchise. Speaking of staying power, right? This franchise just keeps just keeps doing it. Um, And interestingly, I've heard it said um, on other podcasts and in places that they really felt like after the third movie, you know, there was a little bit of a break there. There's been breaks different of different durations throughout the film cycle, but after that third movie, it was almost kind of like a reboot when the fifth when the fourth one came out. Right? It felt different. It wasn't Mission Impossible. Four, right? It had it was it was self titled named. What do you guys think? I'm seeing some skeptical Wait, looks. It, it's I'm just trying to think back, and and I, I've never I, I guess I haven't seen I, I haven't read some of what you have. Yeah. But now that you mentioned, I think I actually agree with you. Um, I think a lot of you know, I, I'm thinking about like the second one. I'm thinking about thinking about the third one. They all seem to to have like the almost a happy ending. Like it could end there, um, and then with four, five, and six, you know they. All the all the different characters they, they go their separate ways, but there's always this um, you know implied you know when the next mission comes we'll see each other again, whereas huh. you know before it was like oh you know Ethan Hunt's you know going off with this girl yeah. Ethan Hunt's going right. off with that girl right maybe maybe that's it, <laughs> it's, it, it exactly so it's definitely um, an interesting subject and a huge well of cool content and, and interesting things to talk about so we will get yeah. to that um, when we get to our discussion so we'll be talking about. All six of the movies in small part, but mainly Fallout, because Mission Impossible Fallout came out, and oh my goodness, to acclaim. Critical acclaim. It's got like 97% yeah. on Metacritic, mm. certified fresh, like like right out of the grocery store. Yeah, I'm fact-checking the exact Oh no, here. okay. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah. when I at one point it was 97. Sure, sure. Not to mention, I mean, audience score is an A on an, a, on an F to A plus scale, Um the, the the amount of money this movie is bringing in, not just domestically, but globally, is insane and off the charts. I read somewhere that it's Tom Cruise's second largest grossing first weekend or something like that That's ever. Awesome. And Tom Cruise is a huge deal. Yeah. Um, you got something for us? Yeah, Metacritic's 86, Rotten Tomatoes, it's 97. But like, oh, okay. all around, I mean, you can definitely say it's been a critical hit. It's, it's you know, still, it's, you know, hit in the box office. All three of us, we we loved it. So I mean, yeah. not not too much bad to say about this. Film. No, that's true. <laughs> Although there are, I have a couple things that annoy me about it, and we'll of course dive into those as well. So yes. be be critical. But yeah, I mean, when you go see a Mission Impossible movie, you know you're going to have a good time, and that's something you can't always say um, about about a lot of movies, even Marvel movies. For me, I can't always say I'm going to have a good time. Okay, especially not DCEU, right? We'll talk about <laughs> blockbusters. So I digress. Before we do that, we're going to do what we always do, and that is talk about some of the most recent news in the world of movies and TV shows and comic books. And then after that, we'll be talking about the things that we've been watching and reading and that have us excited lately. Without any further ado, news editor Kevin, tell us what you got on the docket. I'm the Mark Bernardin of Geek. Do it. Do it up. Um, I actually, so normally we just have usually just like, oh, this DC movie just got announced, like, and then the... Um, Marvel casting, etc. Today's news segments are actually uh, very interesting and kind of diverse. So um, the first one, I'll go out since we're talking movies and all of that. Um, so at the time of recording this episode, 
it was announced this week. Um, the Oscars are changing things up a little oh, bit. Oh man, this is um, interesting. This, this was is interesting. Interesting, and I, uh, yeah, I don't know, not maybe not for the better, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> but uh, so the Oscars announced that they're introducing a most popular category. Um, which they still haven't fully most. Oh, oh yeah, right. Because I was going to say it yeah, may not be most popular. Broad. It may be best popular right, film. It right, may be right. yeah, yeah. So that's the um. But basically, the idea behind it is that trying to because you know as we're talking about today, blockbusters are such a big deal, and uh, even more so than they used to be, just because the idea of cinematic universes and yeah. all these things have come yeah. into play that that are dominating the box offices. Um, and yet and these things culture. that are such a large percentage of the film industry are such a small percentage of... of Academy Awards, yeah. Which and, is yeah. supposed to celebrate the film industry, right, right, right? right? So the idea behind it is to give, you know, movies like Black Panther, for instance, and a, a chance to win big at the Oscars. Um, get out, I've, you know. Yeah, but, although but that it, well, did, that had some time, exposure. Like, yeah, yeah, I've yeah, heard people yeah. bring that up, and you know that movie got some exposure, yeah, well, especially in screenwriting and director categories, which is kind of what it deserved. Go ahead. Well, and also this year, at the, I mean, it's it's just because the Oscars are getting more and more relevant each year. As I mean, well, and, and, and audience uh, tuning in. Oh, yeah, will yeah, yeah, tell um, you that. That was the big down yeah. and... That was the other thing about this. They're, so they're introducing this category, but also they're shortening the length of the ceremony yeah. um, to try to increase. I don't think that's going to do anything. Cause it doesn't who, matter. Two and a half hours, three hours, 15 right. minutes. So what? If it's irrelevant, it's irrelevant. I know people in the film industry and comics industry who are like, I couldn't care less about the Oscars. So, uh, so I, I, yeah. I will say this. I do care about the Oscars. I always have. Yeah. Um, there's been I, a but, but, extent, but do, Right. But, but yeah. that said, there's been a long period for the last five, six, seven years when I don't really watch them. Right, right. I, right. I always want to know the next day who yeah, won. Right, right, right. Yeah, see, like, I'm, I'm exactly I'm, the same way. I care about them because, like, um, I kind of like the aspect of of them highlighting different films, and I might actually go back later, or like when I hear that they're mm-hmm. nominated, I might actually go watch them. But I've I've literally never sat and watched watched any of the ceremonies. And, you like know, the, if I heard something crazy about one mm-hmm. of like the actors' speeches, like or I, they announced I, the wrong winner at the yeah, end, I might or, yeah, do, yeah, I might yeah. do that. But <laughs> right. like I've never like actually cared for watching the actual ceremony. I'll I'll read about it. I'll I'll hear about the news afterwards. And yeah. but that's just not me. And well, that's not uncommon for a lot of people. And I mean, like yeah. I I mean I know I still know some people who host like Oscar parties, and even someone like me, as big a film buff as I am. And like I for the, this year, I had seen most of the best picture nominees, and and I was excited that Shape of Water won and all that. But I didn't watch the ceremony either. I did the same thing. I looked it up the next day, um, or followed it on Facebook what won, and then any speeches that I cared to check out the next day, I would well, the, on the, YouTube. But... The way the way that I am about the Oscars is the way that I am about a lot of awards. Mm-hmm. I take that as an indication that there is quality in that product. Okay. That does not mean that I'm going to love it. Yeah. It does not mean that I'm even going to find it a great movie. But it does mean that enough people have perked up and said we want to point this out and highlight right. this movie there's got to be something to that movie i'm not going to be watching something that's completely garbage almost ever right right um you know t- taste you know excluded but but generally speaking movies that that, that are nominated like I, i'll give you a great example um three billboards right mm-hmm. this is a movie like Did how do yet? no not yeah, yet yeah, and that's yeah. that's why it's a great example yeah yeah yeah. because right now it's still a blind spot to me but i know that that's a movie that eventually i need to see mm-hmm. as opposed to if it hadn't won i don't know that i would have known to seek out a movie about a woman a fictional no less movie right. about a woman whose kids daughter were, daughter right. was murdered and right. then um you know puts up billboards to like get attention because the sheriff's not Go doing enough yeah, right exactly. right and so 
that doesn't sound like enough of a premise, even with the star power behind it, for me to watch it. But when I hear that the performances are, you know, breathtaking, right. when I hear that, anyway, I digress. You get, yeah. you get my point. I but that's a great example a of a movie yeah. that I wouldn't watch otherwise. Sure. sure. Um, probably. And um, so that's a big part of it for me. Another sure. thing I want to highlight here that I think is interesting is the co- the fact that the Oscars have been trying to pivot some things around. Like, for example, the whole thing about 10 Best Picture noms. That's weird. That was always weird to me. Um, not bad, though. Yeah. But I thought that was in a move to try to be more inclusive of a broader range of titles. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it has done that, but what do you guys think? Wait, say that again. The, the, so, so, so Best Picture can have up to 10 nominees Yeah, I hate now. that. Yeah, because, like, I, I mean... Uh, and, I mean, I, I do agree with your point that, yes, like, when a movie gets either a nomination or when something, it does give people who aren't as invested in the culture, you know, a reason to go check it out. Uh, and so I get that. But, yeah, I, I never really liked the whole Best ten, uh, 10 Best Picture nominees because... You already even people who don't even watch them all, you can kind of know which ones are definitely not going to get it, and they're just kind of token. That's a really good point. Honestly, like I, I'm, I'm kind of ambivalent <laughs> about yeah. like how many you know are nominated yeah. and things of that nature. I'm actually more interested, like from a discussion standpoint, what I consider to be maybe the like larger picture. You know, are they ultimately just fighting like a, a losing battle anyways? Because they're they're in a medium they're in a, a a thing that people don't find even relevant anymore because they're still like almost fighting it from like the broadcast angle when we're all like on demand information mm-hmm. on the da- on demand entertainment i mean do people care that much when we have like rotten tomatoes when we have metacritic <laughs> yeah i mean youtube and a thousand yeah, exactly. personalities reviewing yeah i mean like i feel like we're in a day and age where we respect like our favorite reviewer or like a killer Rotten Tomatoes or anything. you know score like or, as yeah. much as like yeah. winning an Oscar anyways yeah well so, and I'll, oh, go ahead. so I mean I, I, I just don't think that you know I think inevitably people are just not going to tune into this yeah. because that's not how they it doesn't match with the way that we consume entertainment anymore it's really true and a lot of different you know, organizations and companies and media is 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 fighting this battle, and it's and it. I don't know how it's going to all shake out. It's interesting to watch, though. You know, get right, some yeah. popcorn and 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 you know, pull up a chair because it's really interesting to see how YouTube, for example, is slaughtering television when it, any kind of television, even Netflix shows, yeah. when it comes to younger generations. Yeah. All they want to watch. It seems like I hear this from YouTube people. and Twitch. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They even non gamers watch Twitch. They like the personalities. They like hanging out with friends and you know in a world where a lot of people I know where a lot of people are alienated the only way I understand it is think about bullying think about if you are of the geek persuasion think about if you have other different issues that make you socially less successful right and then you can go online and find a community of like-minded people really charismatic speakers because they're the ones that really you know start magnetizing people to them and then you've got this little chat going down yeah. the side and it's like we you can talk and when you come this this guy right on the screen that all these other people look up to is like hey uh, Tinkerbell 33 welcome <laughs> to the to the channel are you and Tinkerbell like, 33? I am not. I am not. That's a really good point. Yeah. That's a real, that would be funny if I was, right? Um, now I know. I was being anonymous. It's Tinkerbell 67, actually. Go look um, it up after. Yeah, 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 exactly. I bet you there is a Tinkerbell 33, though. Oh, that, you know it, yeah. Um, I'm not going to fact check that. No, I think, I think we'll, we'll, please, please uh, avoid, avoid looking up my alter ego. Um, but yeah, but that's the thing. And, and, and imagine how good that feels every day. And it's that little high you get, right, you know, right. when somebody calls you out. Not to mention, even if 
you never chatted, just the feeling of camaraderie you get. And so that is what the younger generations want nowadays. I don't know how modern, you know, big media is going to compete. So that brings up a bigger question that is absolutely the most relevant point. Whether it's a losing battle, throwing out a little thing like this, it certainly got us talking about the Oscars. You know, yeah. on our podcast, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's but I mean, do executives really care about that? They care about, like, viewership and, like, whether they're going to sell, like, well, But that's what I mean. That leads yeah. to it. It's a, it's, a, it's a slope that will lead to, eventually, people tuning in. I might check out the po- most popular category this year to see how if it's a train wreck yeah. or, a you know, a flaming yeah. mess. Sure. So I could see people tuning in just because of it's a new something. Yeah. I mean, so they got to do something is the point because what they're doing is not working. <laughs> right. So, I mean, yeah, I hear what you're saying. You know, is, does mind share matter in terms of what the executives making these decisions think? I think so. Probably. Only because it leads to viewership. Well, and like, I used to get annoyed when... You know, an actor movie I loved and thought totally deserved an Oscar got snubbed either of a nomination or a win. And now I still don't even care anymore because it's like, I mean, I can still love that performance, love that movie. You know, like for instance, I saw an article earlier this year asking, speculating whether people like Andy Serkis and Doug Jones would ever be Oscar contenders because for the most part, their face is never on screen because they do mm-hmm. CGI characters yeah. and pay and all that, but they are brilliant actors, you right. know, and I, and of course I would love for either of them to win something, but at the same time, I don't really care because I'm like, they're still, I mean, auteurs in my mind. Yeah. He, yeah. He, huge millionaires, yeah. hugely successful, hugely yeah. relevant among their, their, their fandoms. Right. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, that actually sort of leads to another Andy Serkis story, but have you guys, I don't know if that's on your list. The thing about Mowgli, the Mowgli, yeah, we can talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because actually, I forgot to talk about it at last. I touched on it at the very end of the last episode, um, and then forgot. But because did you? There's another continuation of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So let's so just just putting this to bed though. I think we kind of aired yeah, out yeah, what yeah, we think yeah, about yeah, that. Awesome. Yeah. So let's let's move into Mowgli. Yes. Okay. Um, just just for people that don't remember or didn't hear that, yes. what's the story here? So Mowgli is an adaptation of the Jungle Book um, that Andy Serkis is directing. It's the directorial debut, and uh, originally it was going to be released in theaters in October. And, um, big trailers and people, in front of the movies and, like, and even though, yeah, they just made a Jungle Book movie a couple years ago, John Favreau directed, um, hit Circus's version is going to be very different from the Disney. It's going to be much more a strict adaptation of Rudyard Kipling's original source material and would be, you know, more adult content-ish and um, a little more violent, etc. Um, and very much more darker. And uh, so it's scheduled for a big theatrical release and everything. Um, got a huge cast, and it was announced a couple weeks ago that Netflix actually acquired the rights um, instead. Um, and it was, I mean, I was kind of surprised, I was very surprised by this, because for one, uh, you know, when you have names like that with Andy Serkis, uh, and Young, can you look up the cast of that real quick, because I, I know there's some big names uh, on Blanchett. Blanchett. Um, Blanchett, okay. So a lot yeah, of his collaborators. Big, big. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. it's a huge We got Benedict Cumberbatch, Kate Blanchett. Cumberbatch, yep, that's, yeah. Um... We got Christian Bale, oh, yeah, Andy huge. Circus, Naomi Harris. So I was very surprised by this, but um, yeah, so Netflix acquired the rights, and it's going to, instead of being having a theatrical release, it's going to air on Netflix, um, I think in March of next year, um, and which is very surprising to me. Um, the other thing uh, with that, that I was going to mention, too, is he just secured the rights to Animal Farm, which he's going to do a similar kind of adaptation of that's, that. See, that and seems that much more interesting to me. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. Animal Farm, like the Orwell thing? The George Orwell. Yeah, 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 yeah okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, 
to me, that's right. much more interesting okay, than, yeah. than than a weird what the hell is it remake imagination of know, Jungle still, Book. I'm very interested in both, but like um, I was just fascinated that Netflix would, that it would go from the theatrical release to this because it just seems like that with a star-studded cast with the not and not just that like there are some very star-studded cast movies that go to straight to streaming, but this one has the kind of feeling that. that just requires a theatrical view. Well, the know? last time we saw this happen, luckily it didn't affect us. Actually, yes. in one way it didn't, one way it didn't. Wrong. So, um, Annihil- Annihilation. Annihilation right. um, so we got to see that in theaters here. Right. Yeah, I um, saw that in theaters as well. The yeah. new Alex Garland, I'm, boy, I'm glad I did. As right. painful as parts of it are to watch, just it's intense, right? <laughs> sure, sure. Um, yeah. But that bear. That, seeing that, oh, God, that bear. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was just thinking about the, like, the last part where like the volume just suddenly increases. And then it was... <laughs> <laughs> They use like that super bassy, you know, uh, 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 whatever you call that kind of music. Uh, I'm having trouble right now. Dubstep kind of soundtrack. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like Interstellar meets dubstep. Yeah, exactly. In the jungle. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. With yeah, a little yeah. bit of uh, jungle trance right, right, <laughs> thrown right. in right. Uh, for good measure. But um, but anyway, uh, what are your thoughts though on like? I mean, I know you're not as interested in Mowgli as Animal Farm, but like what? It, but still, well, no, both but, of those are going to be like heavy effects and like. Well, hold on. Let me just say. Ahead, well, sure. first, let me just say that that. That movie it didn't affect us because we got to see it in theaters. But right. everywhere else in the world, they they it was Netflix only for them, right. which is I mean it got sucks. put on Netflix, and and so that's I mean it's just this is a thing that's happening. Yeah. Um, I Kill Giants, same thing. Yeah. Um, I Kill Giants was uh, was one of those things that what we saw on Amazon. Amazon. It didn't yep. hit theaters mm-hmm. anywhere near here. Yep. So this things this is happening and happening, especially to a certain kind of movie. I'm noticing. What was this about special effects you were asking? Well, I was just saying. I mean, like something like this. That's a I big just, I see, it, see in it in theaters. Yeah. yeah. And, and I know, I mean, I, and I was actually having a talk with a friend about this the other day, but yeah, and I know I get it. A lot of people aren't going to the theaters as much. It disappoints me as like someone who just loves going to the movies and I mean, I'll see crap in the theater, but like I'd rather support it in the, because I want to keep the idea of going to the movies a thing. But like, I, it's sad to me that it, that kind of that trend is happening that's kind of going out the window. I mean, in some ways, it's great for creators because um, it gets more options. And, I mean, Netflix is interested in properties like this, and they have the money to purchase it, so that's great. But I just... Uh, that makes me really worried about where we're going to be 10 years from now, you know, if people will still be going to the movies. And, uh, well, the other... Did you see the story with uh, MoviePass? Um, I, I heard about it, actually. I was that's I was listening to a podcast called Mad About Movies, which yeah, is really yeah. cool, and they were talking about that, I about how they ran out of money or something? They ran... They very under budget, and so they cut... Instead of... Like, it used to be... Uh, and I didn't buy MoviePass for this reason, because I kind of predicted Me that too. it would go... Not, not that I predicted it, but just that I, I it doesn't seem... When I when I, a couple Logical. friends that yeah. got it, yeah. a couple friends that got it was like it never worked right. Right, right. And, and, and a lot of theaters were opposed to it, and uh, like I'm, I doubt Alamo would use it. I doubt, and I know right. AMC theaters were against it. So, but yeah, I mean, it, it went from like this, you know, dream idea of you pay ten bucks a month for all the movies you want to see. Um, and then now they've limited it to like three movies a month. Yeah. Um, well, it's not only and, that, but there's yeah. things called surge pricing. Yeah, they've yeah, done yeah. everything that they can do to basically make it not what it was. Right, right. And so the idea was you could go to any theater, you could see any movie. It was unlimited. Yep. It was all this stuff. Now it's like if you want to see really anything on the weekend, it's surge pricing. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you want to... 
Um, you know, if you there's uh, IMAX is of course more expensive. I don't even think you can use it on IMAX. Yeah. Um, things like um, certain movies that are see... first run you can't see anymore at all. Period. Um, they were saying that you couldn't see Fallout with it anywhere if you wanted and you to. You couldn't see like a movie twice. With you can't it. see a yeah. movie more yeah. than yeah. once. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's just. It's it's useless right, at this right. point, and I but I have a f- anecdotal experience where a friend of mine and I went to see a movie. You know, second or third week it had been out. It wasn't mm-hmm. any like new big deal. Right. Um, she checked in. It was her first time using it. She was so pumped. Yeah, right? she's like, "This is the best thing." <laughs> yeah, My brother yeah. told me about it. So we go there, and of course the fucker doesn't work. She right. did everything the app right. Crashed. Yeah. No, no, no. The app works. She checked oh. in, and then she gets there, and the card swipes and doesn't work. Oh man! And then they're just like, "Yep, your card's not working." They swiped it ten times. They swiped it fifteen times. That was doesn't my, work. That was my exact reason why I didn't get out. Yeah. Right now. And I was like, "This is gonna die down quickly." And, and then and, she went yeah. into support, and then it took fifty minutes for them to get back to her. Of course, we had long bought tickets and gone in by that point. Yeah. But I mean, but they still, were just yeah. like, "Yeah, sorry, that didn't work." You know, I mean, like it's right. it's, it's it's useless. And even if she had gotten it, well, that's such a hypothetical. She's right. not going to get it working because it doesn't work. Right. It's an unsustainable model. Supposedly, it was that if they got a certain number of subscribers, you know, the it's the same idea as like your Facebooks of the world, right? Build a network that or Instagram, build a network that's so large and has such a large user base that that user base itself is the commodity, is what's valuable. Yeah. But and also, so, I mean, it's not just user based uh, for like to advertise. It's it's you also get data, right? Because yeah. like. Val- Data. You could see like, oh, they're going to that movie theater. They're going out. Let's hit them with like a a ton of like, oh, now that you've seen your movie, why don't you consider going to this place for for like dessert for like froyo or like and it for would work. Dinner it would like work. That. Or and then have that feed into the Google Maps app when the people are looking for their next directions to something right. or any number of things. That data is valuable. You're absolutely right. And so that's the business model for these, for right. these companies. But they couldn't get there. And that's my point is like, you know, companies like that are trying innovative ways to get people back to going to the movies and that didn't work. And so it just makes me concerned about what it's going to look like, you know, in a decade from now. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, well, I mean, I'm going to watch Mowgli on Netflix. Personally, I, I'm not doubt, that worried. I mean, like, I, I think. I mean, I still, still see movies, theaters are still packed a lot. And I mean, a yeah. lot of that is due to, you know, franchises like DMCU and stuff keep going, keep getting people in. But still, I just, I don't know. What were you going to say, Young? You're not that worried? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just not worried because people still want that community experience. People still want, you know, being able to, like, meet together, like, you know, or like a birthday party. It is a special event. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah that's know? how I felt about video stars growing up and those died away. So yeah, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, but, but that's, no, but that's know, because something came out that was so much better Easier, than it in yeah. every way. There is no comparison. The only thing I heard somebody bemoaning the end of video stores. The only thing I can think of is going that they could think of. Excuse me, was going to a video store with like a loved one or a girlfriend or boyfriend, and like picking out a movie together. Not them not having the one you want, and then you have to find something else. <laughs> the fun of that, I guess. But like in every other way, streaming, it just it's just better. There's not. Whereas with movies, it's not that way. Like going yeah. to the theater is the best experience. It has not been sure. surpassed in any way or any respect. Even if you're a multi-millionaire and you build a theater, not the same experience. Sure. And, and how many of us are multi-millionaires? Right. <laughs> Even if, though. You know yeah. what I mean, right? And so, and then above and beyond that, there's, the, in some ways, um, social media and the, you know, the prominence and, and prevalence of information and spoilers has made it a necessity in, in a way. So progress yeah, exactly. in that way is pushing people to theaters. I know if I don't want to have a big movie spoiled on me, I have to see it quickly. It's why I always go to all the Marvel stuff and the DCEU stuff and all that stuff really soon because 
A, I'm just pumped, yeah. and there's that part of it. B, we talk about it here. Right. But C, you got to see it, or else you're going to see it all online. Right. You know, yeah. there'll be clips right. and there'll be footage of them. And you after can screen, like, after... participate in like that, in that, that yeah. discussion. Exactly. That's inevitably going to be happening on Facebook. That's you know maybe that now that you mention it, that's probably the biggest thing. The downside is not being able to be involved in the relevant conversation because two weeks from now, when you've seen it. And you mentioned something, people are like, oh, yeah, 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 check out what we said about this a couple weeks ago. We're yeah, kind of, like, yeah. onto the new thing now. <laughs> Did you see Westworld last night, you know? Or whatever it is. Right. So I, I think that probably is the most relevant thing. Right. So Movie Pass. But, yeah, so that the Movie Pass, and then, yeah, this will be Netflix's biggest budget movie by far. You know, it was bright before then, and now this will be, like, uh -huh. and Andy Serkis has described it as, like, very Matt Reeves' influence. He wants to make it on the scale of Planet of the Apes and all that huh? stuff. Yeah. Hey, that, and more power to him. I, I couldn't be less interested in that movie, but I can respect, <laughs> I can respect people that, that okay, are. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so. do, you, do you have Netflix? Of course. Who doesn't? Yeah, well... I, you really I don't. don't. I'll, watch, I'll watch it eventually. <laughs> if you don't, like... You, anyway, but we'll I, talk I mean, about like, later. let's say... I, I'm definitely not as hyped for this movie as, like, for example, Kevin is. But the fact that I already have Netflix, I'm probably going to watch it. Yeah, <laughs> because right. I already have Netflix, and it's... I mean, I've already paid the cost. I'm going to watch it. Well, sure, sure. But, but for me, so unfortunately, time has become the commodity that's 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 limited for me. Mm. Um, like a lot of people. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't make the hierarchy cut for me. Like for me, of all the things I want to see, like I'll give you a great example, The 100, that TV show. Mm -hmm. Like when I have some time, that's probably what I'm going to watch. Or I'm going to go back and finally finish Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> or I'm going to catch up on Westworld before I'm going to watch Mowgli. Personally, I mean, sure. you know, I get that people are hyped for. I like Andy Serkis; he's really talented. Sure. Um, but I don't need like I didn't see the original Jungle Book. Okay. So okay. what does that tell you? You know, uh, what I mean, it's have just you seen not the my. One, that's what I mean. Oh, the, oh yeah, that, yeah, you mean yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, the current original. Current original, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and so for me, you, I mean, that just tells you where my head's gotcha. at. Like, yeah, I don't need to see struggle and strife in the woods. Sure. To me, that's not fun. Sure, that's, that's fair. Um, okay, cool. Next cool. subject. What we got? Um, okay, so uh, comic book one today. Now I'm not as familiar with this actress, but um, Batwoman was cast the other day. Um, Ruby yeah. Rose. She's it's from Orange Is the New Black, and I love um, Batwoman. It's ever she, since Ruck has Run. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and like uh, I know she's in Orange Is the New Black, and apparently she was in John Wick too as well. Yep. But um, she she played a I, I would say pretty big role in um, John Wick too. I which liked one? Her. The was it the which one? Wow. John Wick Two. Yeah. Wow. She what has deleted. Wait, like, who did she play? She played. So. Uh, like she was like the silent, uh, silent like. Uh, okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to this. Okay, so, yeah. Ruby Rose has deleted her Twitter account. This is uh, as yeah, of today. Yeah. And disabled comments on her Instagram page after backlash to the news that she landed the role of Batwoman in the CW's Arrowverse. By the way, just for accreditation, this bunch is from ComicBookMovie.com. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. A bunch of trolls. I mean, yeah. So, but this is okay. So this is the Arrowverse. This is the Arrowverse. I, so. Okay. I thought. Okay. Oh yeah, 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 not the DCEU. Um, the I don't think they, they, <laughs> they've announced, they've announced because that would be rad. They've announced too many movies for that. Time. But no, basically she's gonna. I think she's gonna make her first appearance on Supergirl. Okay. Um, season four, she'll be in the big crossover, and then they've greenlit a pilot for her. So like that's usually. I mean, it's kind of like what they did with the Legends characters. They introduced them in the other shows, then um, spawned off into Legends after that. So I think. Uh, um, so we could see a Batwoman pilot as early as 2019, um, if all goes well. But either way, she's definitely going to be on Supergirl and the other shows and on the crossover this year. They haven't really released details about what the crossover will be focused on. 
Um, they've already... They're gonna have to really... I mean, they need a character like Batwoman to, um, give it the... Because the crossovers the last two years have been phenomenal. They did the Aliens one, which was tons of fun. Last year, they did the Crisis on Earth X with, um, the Nazi alternate universe, and that was fantastic. So, they're gonna have to do another, you know, really, um, big... I mean, as someone who wasn't even caught up on all the other shows, I watched the crossover and loved it. Right, um, right. So she'll be a big part. That's of that. uh, you know another. New, did you see the Grant Gustin thing? Are you going to talk about that? No. So, oh, so Grant, yeah. Well, well no. I mean, suit? just just there's a new suit. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And Grant Gustin, um, there was a, a leak um, of him doing like a suit fitting. Yeah. And um, it's you know the new suit has him without um, like a chin strap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. in the picture, he looks like incredibly thin. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so there's been a huge like very toxic yeah. environment on yeah. the internet where people are body shaming him and saying yeah. you're scrawny and you shouldn't be in this role. The Flash is supposed to be buff and all this kind of stuff. And he came out. He was like crying on Instagram and really upset. Not crying. It's an obvious characterization, but, but he like, was very upset for very good reason. Well, yeah. Um, and and then and he. He basically just like he basically just said whoever f whoever leaked this like yeah. you suck um and now they've been done a real reveal of it with like a real picture and it looks you know like it's supposed to look right, you know right. you watch some behind the scenes nonsense with none of the work they do to make it look good and yeah it's gonna look ridiculous no people um, on the end of the day but he says yeah. he's always struggled with trying to bulk up and when he's yeah. stressed he has trouble eating anyway right stuff he should have never had to tell anybody right you know right. what i mean um, right right but so there yeah, it is yeah, um, there's a well, lot of toxicity are, yeah. in the CW, and this is just another example of well, toxicity in, in the Arrowverse, in nerd culture in general. <laughs> but, yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah, yeah, I was just connecting it to the last story sure. specifically, but yeah, you're of course. I mean, it's sure. it's, it's terrible out there. Yeah. Um, it's so unfortunate. A, yeah. Another weird um, thing that I heard on a podcast um, that's interesting, and I don't know if this will ever take off, but George Takei, or Takai? Takei? Takei, yeah. Um, yeah. He is now part of this new thing called Trace Me. I don't know if it's going to take off or what it is, but it's like him, Ciara, and like three or four football players are like the only ones that are signed on so far. But the idea is that it's like a social media for you to connect with celebrities in a toxic less environment an environment with no toxic um bullying um the, basically every single part of it is moderated um and so if you want to go somewhere i mean that doesn't that's i mean block, right? yeah yeah exactly it doesn't, doesn't seem like you know the, the free speech world you'd maybe want to be in but at the same time um this is the, the direction that at least one company is going in to yeah. try to combat this problem so we'll see how that takes off but he was on a video game podcast of all places Takaiwa Takei was talking about Trace Me and he's yeah. out promoting it so who knows if it'll take off but certainly yeah. it's an issue that needs to be resolved I don't know if that's the solution but. so his his proposal is like heavy heavy moderation yeah basically. yes and so basically uh-huh. the, the, the deal is that it's it's not it's just it's not his proposal it's like this this company that his agent's friend founded or something so oh, he's so just he's like joined like, it like a spokesperson for and he's on it i mean gotcha. but 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 he but he's like you know they came to me in my you know he has his deep voice he's really yeah. cool right <laughs> he's like they came to me in my hubby brad's house and we talked <laughs> we talked about you know what it does and i'm really in support of it because you know how toxic it can be out there i mean he's so i love his grand way he talks yeah, yeah, yeah. um but but you know he he basically just said i believe in it wholeheartedly and he's now going to move his fan place to trace me and okay. so that if that takes off that would be and then and then you know the guy on the podcast and that's um, a big that's a big deal for trace me because Takei has huge social media oh yeah right, yeah, they, yeah. They, that, i mean that's a perfect combination of they have something that, that's great for him because he's faced a lot of issues in the past like a, like a lot of people in that community and then also um he knew them so it's like a mix of like it's a good fit and personal connection you know so yeah it, it, it segued beautifully but yeah it is a big get yeah 
It's a big gift for them. So we'll see how that takes off. Oh. I don't know, man. When I went on there, I was like, yeah, oh, there's like, George Decay and nobody else. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah. That's what cool. else we got? Okay, so, yeah, so Ruby Rose coming uh, on to Arrowverse. Um, and then no Star Wars news today, but we do have some Trek news. And actually, okay. two right. pretty big stories. Um, let's start with the with Patrick Stewart first, because this is just awesome. All right, I'll um, take Pat, awesome. At the time of recording this, last week, Patrick Stewart announced that he's returning, reprising the role of um, John Luke Picard. In uh, we don't really know what this is going if it's going to be for uh, if the series is going to be just focused on Picard, if it's going to be a continuation of Next Generation. There are very limited details on it, but regardless, Patrick Stewart's coming back. I mean, do we need to know anything else? Like, I mean, uh, people who haven't even watched Discovery are going to watch this. I'm sure. I mean, if you have. Oh yeah, that's another thing that's on top of my list when I talked about my pile of shame. That that's another one that's on top for me to watch this. Oh, your pile of shame. Yeah, well, it's, it comes from video games, but yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's pretty good. Because um, in video games, you actually have a pile. Oh, I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Patrick Stewart's coming back. That's awesome. I mean, like, cool. The dude still looks like how he did pretty much during. Next there are generation. certain I mean, people just, like him yeah. and Sean Connery that age. Ridiculously gracefully. They really do. So be it. So that one. Speaking awesome. of our main story, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. Talk is like fifty six. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's Arch uh, Arch Overlord Zenu who's given him the uh, uh, you know uh, eternal life. Yeah. Go ahead. But like personally, I think it would be better joke. to have um, just a Picard show, like um, with maybe appearances from other next generation characters. Do something different, but I mean, they could go. He hasn't said what he's doing at all. No, they haven't like that. Yeah, it's very limited details. It was just that was the big story that he's coming back. It's going to be another Jean Luc Picard. Well, in my opinion, it will be a Jean Luc Picard story. I I watch it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it should be. Yeah, yeah, it certainly should be. Oh, and then Um, and then then we have a bigger one that was very shocking. I mean, that was a good kind of shocking. This one not so good, and I don't know if Uh, this movie is even happened, but. So, um, due to Star Trek Beyond, shifting gears in the Star Trek universe, now we're going away back to the Kelvin timeline, which is the Abrams movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Star Trek Beyond did, you know, fair, but not that great, not as good as the other two. Um, and due to that, complications with their contracts, um, not only is Chris Hemsworth not returning, which isn't really a big deal, because he was only in one scene of the first movie playing, um, Pines, uh, playing Kirk's father, um, in the past, but Chris Pine's contract is also like fallen through as well. So no Kirk in Star Trek Four if that happens. And so the the word on it is right that um, they lowered the budget. Yeah, and yeah. that's why his yeah, yeah. they lowered the budget, yeah. and then they had a reneg on like the contracts for the actors, and then uh, the two Chris's were like, or probably their agents were like, we're not gonna go that low <laughs> right yeah there's probably something that we don't know about in fact it just seems to make oh, common definitely sense. Some, I mean, well no yeah, when i say yeah. there's something we don't know though but i mean specifically about precedence yeah. in the in that industry and and unions yeah so my understanding is that tom cruise um that he had to really fight to get the right salary for fallout when i was reading the wikipedia on it apparently what happened was they were not going to pay him as much for fallout as he had made on the mummy 
and he literally said, well, I'm not doing the movie then. So apparently it matters. I guess it just matters in sales. you got to keep your equity up, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, more than if it's a million or two difference, so what to him? Drop mm-hmm. in a bucket for a guy who has a, <laughs> a, a vinyl listening room, you right, know, which probably right. cost a million dollars to make. He announced on Jimmy Fallon. A little alienating comment on Tom Cruise's part. <laughs> but, but, in, but anyway, I feel a little more distance from him every day. Um, but, but, you know, he... If he goes down to three million, that's nothing right now. But if every movie says, "Well, hey, you accepted it for this," then whatever. Don't believe me. I'm not defending and being yeah, a ridiculous yeah, money snob. Yeah. I'm just wondering if it's standard practice in Hollywood to say, "Nope, this is my line. Take it or leave it." Right. And, and that there's a, and there's maybe legal reasons why that's important to do. I don't right. know. So. Right. Which whatever. for me is disappointing because I actually liked Star Trek Beyond. I liked and, it too. And I liked I, yeah. you know kind of like where they were going with the story mm-hmm. and. Yeah, I was excited to and see seems, where they would go next. It was still very action heavy, but it was a little more along the lines of classic Star Trek than the other two were. Because the, the first one, especially, is just you know action, space, fantasy, all that, which is fine. I mean, I, I love the first one; it's a lot of fun. But it doesn't have any of like the scientific aspects. Not saying Beyond has a ton of that, but it was moving a little more in that direction. So I was excited to see this franchise continue. Um, but I mean, how do you make Star Trek Four in that universe without Kirk. I mean, you yeah. you don't. I yeah. mean, I was joking earlier. What are you going to Doctor Who it? Yeah, like he's going to go through some like you know right, thing right. that happens that makes him like turn into a new dude. Right. I mean, there's not really any way you do that. That he is the face of that franchise. And like, regardless of your feelings about the, those movies, you can't deny that they did a stellar job of casting or recasting iconic. I mean, the fact that they were able to get anyone. Um, to replace, you know, William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy, and, and to make do the them plot really well, and, and to make, make the, the plot, plot honor the past while bringing while bringing in, the future, in right? they did an incredible job with that. And so, I mean, Chris Pine was a perfect Kirk. Um, Zachary Quinto has been a great Spock, and so I just can't see them making sense of that anyway. And they've also they've already lost um, uh, Anton um, Yelchin. Yelchin passed away uh, uh, right like, before I Beyond. I hate that came story. Out. Yeah, it's so pointless. He got run over by not putting the parking brake on. Yeah. I mean, it just it just upsets me. I'm like about to cry. It's so like it was sad. ridiculous. Anyway, um, so I mean, like that that happened right before Beyond came out. God. But um, but yeah, I just I mean, we hadn't really heard anything on Star Trek Four in a while anyway. But this to me just puts the movie totally on standstill. Yeah, uh, unless they get this worked out. And because they, they there's also the Tarantino Star Trek, which. That's supposedly still happening, but that's separate and like from not. And it's Interesting. I didn't even. I hadn't heard about that. Yeah, cool. he's a, supposedly gonna direct a Star Trek movie. Hey, but whatever. Yeah, that, I mean, I'm trying to say like I think Wars would be a better fit for him, but yeah. I don't no, know, I'd be I don't down know. for a Tarantino. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I'd I watch it, but with like the story. It, yeah. it just it surprised me out of the blue when that got announced. I think but, I think yeah. Tarantino can take on any genre or franchise, yeah. and I'd be down. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Yeah, he yeah. could do a romance. I'd be down. I'd be like a Tarantino romance. Let's see. Yeah, you know, <laughs> few heads chopped off in the middle, and some backs and like popping out. And, uh, yeah, intermittently. I mean, you know, I'd watch it. If yeah. it was PG rated, I might bat an eyelid. Um, but I don't know if Tarantino can do that. I don't think I don't think I think all of it, all of it would depend on him him having uh, the freedom to, to say what he needs to say. Okay. Yeah. Anything else? Um. So my la- this is just a little tidbit I want to touch on because. I had seen this movie as a kid, and when I saw this story the other day, I was just like, what in the world? So I talked about, um, when Rich and I were meeting with our friends from Internet Picnic the other day, we talked about this story, but, um, so have either of you ever seen the movie Mac and Me? Um, this is an 80s cult classic that, like, it's, I mean, 
categorically one of the worst movies ever made. Um, it's basically an E.T. ripoff. Doesn't it even with, have like, a glowing finger or some yeah, shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so it, it's such an E.T. ripoff, but like... Unabashed. Right, right, that's the thing. Imagine everything you love about E.T. stripped away. So like, no John Williams score, no good production value, and it's also one of the like movies with the most with the heaviest product placement. Mm. Uh, like just you can imagine. It had like McDonald's in it. Yeah, yeah. Have yeah, you yeah. seen it? No, I haven't okay, seen yeah, it, but yeah, I, I'm yeah, familiar yeah. with what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. So um, it just came out on Blu-ray recently, and of course that's you know sparked anytime like a cult classic comes out on Blu-ray, it pops up in film Twitter and all that. Uh, um, it's a, and gets dissected because then you get to see all the behind the scenes stuff and all that. And so it came out that not even on the Blu-ray, but because the Blu-ray came out, um, the producer of the movie and he's a film creator as well, Peter Kaplowski, um, um, announced that in the original cut of the movie, um, which they actually did test screenings of, and they took it out because it was too dark. So the movie ends with um, the and it's a kid in a wheelchair. He's about to die in this explosion, and his alien friend comes and saves him. Right. Um, nice happy ending for a, a yeah, kid's movie. Right. In the original version, it's actually the kid gets shot by a cop, like um, and the and that's pretty much how it ends. Uh, and so they release, <laughs> yeah, and like they did it in test screenings. It never made it into any of the U.S. but even on the Blu-ray. But it had been that ending had been shown to like foreign audiences and stuff. So that just kind of resurfaced uh, when the but. It was just one of those, like, what I, I in the mean, world? I like, know what to say. I mean, yeah. like, it was already one of the worst movies ever made, but, like, sometimes, I mean, you, you like, I mean, I love watching bad movies, too, so, like, and I remember seeing it as All a kid. I have to say is so, focusing, focus testing uh, stole from us one of the great moments in American cinema. Right, right, mm. exactly. They so, tested it, and they were just, like, nobody, no, this is uh, too controversial for our audiences. Right. Now we don't get to, you know, bask yeah. in the glory of that yeah. scene. Well, but they, no, they have released the scene on, you can find it on Twitter and on articles and stuff. Oh, okay. And it's right, the, what's more for the Hop looks like Ethan Hawke that kills him. So. Okay, that's sad. <laughs> it was just one of those, like, wow, some 80s cult classics are m- so fascinating. More so, I mean, they're just as fascinating in the final product as they are all the making of. Just like mm-hmm. The Room, you know? Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, they're, so, some of the worst movies ever made are the most fascinating. Cool. Um, so that was just my little, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Uh, nice, so, nice aside. Yeah, okay. nice little diverse range of news stories today. Um, yeah, we did. Her. We had some yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. some fun ones to talk yes. about. Um, and uh, speak. Well, speaking of that, yeah. speaking of having fun and talking yes. about stuff, let's talk about what we've been watching cool. and reading. And young, do you yeah, want to yeah. start? Um, what have I been reading? Um, reading, watching anything like reading. Um. I know this is, a, like, a super old series. Sure. But yeah. I've been, like, reading up on... I don't even know how to pronounce it. The Varkosigan saga. Never heard of it. Um, it's just something that was recommended to me by my friends. Um, I had just finished um, the uh, the um, the, Scott, the Scott Lynch series, uh, which was um, the... Um, Lies of Lacamora, Red Seas Under Red Skies, and Republic of Thieves. Are these like fantasy novels? These are fantasy novels. Oh, wow. And it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's like the best writing or the best books I've ever read, but, um, you know, the Gentleman Bastard series, which is what the Scott Lynch does, um, it was, it's, it's definitely fun. It's, it's right, a lot are of you fun. talking about Bujold? Is he the guy who writes this? this uh, no, that was the Vorkosigan uh, saga, oh, okay. which is what I'm reading now. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I mean, like, I think. The writing is very, um, it's, it accomplishes a lot with very little. That's um, good. So the opposite of R.R. R. Martin. 
Yeah. <laughs> right? So, so like, like after the first, cha- I like, like as someone who would maybe like aspire to like write well, uh-huh. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, after the first chapter and the second chapter, I, I just looked back and I was like, wow, I already know so much about this world. I know about so much about these characters, and like it, the it it hasn't been slow. So like, just like from a writing standpoint, what's this one called again? The one uh, that you're reading that you said that... Yeah, right now it is, I'm reading the Vercosigan saga. Okay, and that's the one you're talking about that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's very effective quickly. Yeah, um, when was, when did it come out? So this is like a long series, but I think it, it started like... Yeah, 86. So that's what I've been reading. Again, I just started, so we'll, we'll see how, where it takes me, but it's an it's just an interesting story. Okay. Um, in terms of what I've been watching, um, speaking of which, tonight, I think Uh-oh. the next episode of Sharp Objects comes out, uh-huh. so I'm really excited about that. Is it the finale? No. Um, I forget. It must be seven, then. Because that... Or no, maybe it's six, five or six. Let me look. Um, but uh, I am really happy that we have I have somebody to talk about this so like, I'm going to. he does not watch this stuff I'm go- going no to? I'm going to because oh, I, okay. well, I like Fine Girl we were having this conversation on the way to Alamo when we were going to see Fallout so yeah. uh, I do want to check it out I just, yeah. Yeah, and, you, and you should yeah, it's yeah. um it's it's tonight is episode 6 um out of 8 yeah, so it's, it's not Cherry. quite the finale, uh-huh. but you've you've read the I've books, read it, right? Yeah. So I mean, like, and you've you've been watching, right? You, you so you no 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 no. Um um, I've seen the first two episodes. Okay. I'm only right. past the second one. Um, and then I just life happened. Um, but I'm ready to get back to it. Yeah, because like at the end, they they uh they show a teaser for like the next episode. So if you're a book reader and like from last last week's teaser, you already know. I mean, like yeah. where they're going. And I'm just so psyched for this this week's episode. Awesome. So I, I feel like a lot's gonna happen in tonight's episode. And if you haven't seen it before, it's um yeah, what, give, what's give an interesting take this. was it's like. Because, like, with series like Mindhunters, with mm-hmm. um, the uh, with a lot of these, like, dark, you know, mystery crime thrillers um, that, like, such as Gone Girl, um, I, I feel this is, it, it goes in that same vein while still being very different because this protagonist, uh, because the protagonist's uh, background and because of the way this is directed. It doesn't have the... Um, I'm trying to think of the director. Um, John Park Valet. No, John no, Mark Valet. Oh. Yeah, yeah. That's the director of Sharp Objects, and he's taking a very different direction right. than... Who directed... Who was... Uh, it's Fincher, Fincher, right? yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's and a good, it good like reference a you make, of, because Mindhunter too, right? Yeah, because yeah. of like Mindhunter and like a lot of these like other detective shows that I'm thinking of, it seems like a, a very Fincher-esque show, and this seems to be in a very different direction because, Interesting. Of the, because the camera kind of like lingers... It doesn't have like that omni, you know, omniscient, you know, very steady, very smooth, you know, kind of camera work. Everything is extremely intentional. This is almost just like people like had a camera and like just stuff happened. Interesting. So I'm loving this style of direction. Direction. I think it it fits and it suits the story very well. Um, I'm loving Amy Adams' performance. Um, I already loved the story of Sharp Objects. You had read it? Yeah, I had oh, yeah. read it. it. Which, you know, for how, the record, if you hadn't read it, it's a very quick read. You can finish yeah. it in an afternoon. How true to the source material has it been? Very the f- true, fifth? except for this past episode. Um, there are some other minor differences. Like, in the book, she was a reporter from Chicago. 
In this one, she's a reporter from St. Louis, which to me makes a lot more sense. I, it's, while, it's a while back <laughs> since I, I read Sharp Objects. Um, the detective, the guy detective, is he in that a lot? Yeah, he's in that. He, okay. he's, he's in the book. But, I don't um, remember him specifically. The girls I remember vividly. Yeah, because how can you not? <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, and this is also another series that rewards uh, careful watching because there's a lot of subtext of what's going on. Yeah. Um, and there's actually a lot of commentary that you, you may not... Yeah. Catch if you're Stuff like, in just the like background. stuffing your face while watching it, or or, like, or, or playing it, playing on your Nintendo yeah, yeah, Switch. Yeah, this or... is not one of the shows no. where you can just like casually digest. Even though, yeah, yeah, no, you're exactly right. There's a scene in either the first or second episode where Amy Adams is going to the funeral of the dead girl um, because they found her body or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you literally, I had to go. There's a feature on like a Roku where you can go back, and when you go back, subtitles appear only when you rewind. Uh huh. And and I had to do that two or three times to hear what they were saying because you'll have. It's all about a small town called Wind Gap, and there is um, hearsay like crazy. It's a gossip town. So there are these really vindictive girls gossiping in the corner, and the volume is made in such a way that you can just make out what they're hearing, like you're eavesdropping yeah. on their conversation in this beautiful way. And the shit they're saying is mean. I mean, horrible, horrible, <laughs> right? And 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 then another little trick they play is like you'll meet a very important character early on, but they make it look like it's just a, a bystander, just a regular person, and then you find out later it's like one of the main characters of the thing. Yeah. Um. Appearance versus reality is a big theme in this, in a really interesting way. Um, it's really well done. The problem that I have, and I am like, this is my thing, right? And maybe yours as well. We'll have to talk more. But my thing is like, I'll tell you, one of the best things I've ever watched in my life is Top of the Lake. It's directed by Jane Campion, and it's this kind of thing. It's like six episodes. It stars um, the girl from um, Handmaid's Tale. Elizabeth, uh, 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 what's her last name? I always forget her name. Oh, goodness. Moss. Moss, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Handmaid's Tale uh, Girl. So she's in that. And Top of the Lake is... It has one of the best, most earned surprise endings and, and jaw-dropping moments. Plus, the whole thing is good. But the, the, the cinematography, the, just the, everything about the filmmaking, the sound, the acting, I mean, it's, it's a masterpiece in how to do this and subvert expectations because a lot of this, in this genre, it's all so well-worn, you know, and it's so, it's so been done. But that does an amazing job of doing that. So that's a high point. Another high point, interestingly, is um, Big Little Lies, in a different way. Have you seen that one? No. You would dig Big Little Lies because Big Little Lies is like Sharp Objects but lighter toned but still really dark themes. And it's, it's so this is almost in its way a spiritual Sharp Objects a spiritual successor to Big Little Lies as a show. They're both based on books and they're both directed by John Mark Vallee. So he actually that was his start at directing these, these kind of shows. And they're both centered like about like girls <laughs> right they're, they're like, women they're women in cast. some regards yeah. like gender politics right yeah. exactly exactly uh, that one's more about marriages and this one's more about girl and girls and family um but but yeah absolutely gender politics are big and this is a it's a whole new gone girls like that too of course and and now since gone girl there's about a thousand books you know the woman in the train and you know all those different yeah. ones that have come out that are similar to it i've read a couple of them they're they're kind of a dime a dozen they're all pretty unique i've been enjoying <laughs> them um but you know, Big Little Lies had a big advantage um, in that it had humor and funniness and Reese Witherspoon and um, um, uh, uh, who's the girl who plays in Star Trek, Star Wars, the new one that everybody was mad at, Laura Dern. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Those two were like clashing. They were like uh, Real Housewives, like 
angry at each other. And it was funny, but also intense. Yeah, so Sharp that, Objects is super bleak. Right, and that's the thing about it. This That had levity. Sharp Objects has none. It never lets up. And to me, I, it's, a, it's a little pet peeve of mine, and I know it's in the book, and I know it's the way it's supposed to be, but she is sobbing down liquor the whole time. Every time you see her... <sighs> mini bottles clanging in her bag liquor in her mouth liquor in her Evian bottle which is actually she's not as heavy a drinker I think in the books but what the what the book has that the show lacks is because the book is has an internal monologue right um, and I think this might be one of the ways that they're trying to capture just how because in the book it's it's very clear how much she hates hates going back to Wingap and like how like it just perfectly captures her her the pain of her childhood right yeah and and how that has shaped her her viewpoint because her outlook is super bleak right you know like in um and she's she's jaded in like a knowing way she's almost like I know what I am I know that what I'm doing is ridiculous and pathetic but this is what my life made me and here I am. Because in the book, like, you'll read stuff and it's like, oh, a girl was raped there. You know, oh, my roommate died. And, like, you'll just, like, read it in the book and it was like, wait, wait, you're not going to spend this got, like, a paragraph. Right. And it was like, this crazy stuff just happened. And it was like, wait, 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 hold up, you know, Miss Protagonist. Right. You aren't going yeah. to. And, and she's just like, oh, no, this this just happens. Yeah. But because, like, the, the show very intentionally does not have that monologue. Um, I think that it does. They use that. Yeah, they do different things to kind of just show her agony, her and her anguish. Yeah. So the other thing that that does, and and it's and it's a manipulative trick, but I get why they do it. Um, and it goes with sort of the languid filmmaking of this. Um, is that she's always flashing back. Yeah. And this gives her a way to kind of so like I'll give you an example. You'll see her as a young girl and and her sister, and the two of them are like running and frolicking in the house. And then they walk into an office, and there's a picture of Obama in there on the wall. And it's like, you know, it's a clash. It's 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 that's a it, the, the, the he wasn't that poster didn't exist back then. Yeah. And then you realize that they're actually running through her office in the modern day. They run into her bedroom and they poke her, and then she wakes up, and it was a dream. But like the dream world is is invading her world, and so the uh, that filmmaking trick they use at least in the first two episodes extensively um to sort of and jar throughout you. like every episode thus far. I and I and I, I totally can imagine that. So it's their their way of bringing back the past without the monologue and without exactly. that kind of stuff. And the drinking allows her to blend the two because if she's not drunk, it'd be a lot harder to believe that she's like, wait, where am I? You might think she has some like, like other mental problems that you know the, that go the beyond. show is not necessarily trying to go there <laughs> right it's also very subtle um one of the big themes of the show and i will say this is the end of the first episode is the only spoilery thing i'll say but it's called sharp objects and it's not as cheap as this is going to make it sound but it cutting is a, is a factor yeah um and she's you know she is a self-harm um person and um or she has self-harm i don't know what the pc way to say that but it's 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 you know it, it explores that issue that it explores that Practices issue. Stuff on right, right. It's terrible. And it shows that issue of, of how, how traumatic and, and her life has been because of it and, and, and what how her traumatic life led to it. Um, but at the very end of the first episode, she's in the tub, and all you see is a kind of blurred out shot of her arm kind of in the frame. 
and it shows sort of wait are those are those cuts on arm I can't tell and that's the end of the episode that's your cliffhanger that's your you know punch in the gut and it isn't that extreme and that severe it's not a oh my god I think you're the killer it's none of that kind of stuff it's really subtle and this show is subtle another example is like Big Little Lies has this really like like interesting like evocative emotional intro music with pictures from the show and these little kids interspersed with the parents showing how the kids will one day add up grow up to live and become the parents and it's really fun to sing along with another one that does that is the affair has a great intro sequence like that this one it's just this downtrodden just sorrowful med- melody that's just like you know it's very bleak yeah. I mean, it's a bleak show, so you have to be game to, like, go on this journey with them. That said, understand that there's a great payoff, and that, right, and that the show is really smart about human nature and people, right? Yeah. And so that, to me, that makes it, that gives me the enjoyment I need to be watching it, is that I'm learning about people, I'm being led down a path one way and it's going to really it's a, twist it's this way. It's a show that has something to say and is very conscientious of what it does and how it's, it's telling you what it wants to tell. Yeah, yeah. So I would say it's definitely one to watch. I need Just talking about it, I'm ready to get back to it. You, you've reinvigorated <laughs> well, my well, interest. Well, so. like for me, I, I, it's just a matter of hours and I get to yeah. enjoy it next another yeah, That's episode. right, that's right. Um, in terms of like another thing I'm, I'm watching... Um, the a few weeks ago, I went to a con in in Virginia called uh-huh. Blurred Con. And right, I had, right, right. I had a lot of fun, and one of the shows that I was introduced was a show called Baki, uh, huh. which is uh, an anime that's that's I think already been released on Netflix in okay. Japan, um, and you can get on some B A K I other yeah B A K I that's and you can get it on some other. I don't know if they're perfectly legal streaming right, sites. Right, different places. Yeah, right. other places on the internet. Right. Um, now we, that it's we been neither, released we on. Neither, uh, we do not endorse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not necessarily condoning this. Right. But if just nothing saying else, that they're there. Uh, yeah, just <laughs> reporting the news that, that they are there. Right. Um, Thank you for that. But it's it's something that I've, I've also been been um, keeping tabs on and, and enjoying in, in smaller portions. It's... um. It's a super violent, you know, anime of a bunch of dudes like fighting each other. It's a grappler. Yep, Baki the Grappler. It's it's a um. This is like a uh, a newer version of a an older story. So interesting, yeah. interesting. Yeah, it says here that um, it's uh, no, it was a manga, a manga first, and then is known as Baki the Grappler in North America. It's a manga series written by what Keisuke Itagaki, um, originally in Weekly Shonen Champion. Um, and it and uh, it was followed by three sequel series, right? Yep. Baki, Baki Hanma, Baki Hana, um, and, uh, and and Baki Do or Dao or yeah, yeah. But, And I guess know, Baki is, means the way, maybe. I, I have know. no idea, but yeah. it's 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 like the 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 main guy. Okay. Um, but I mean, his I mom's wealthy and money obsessed. Is that a big factor? It says here. The the biggest thing I think the biggest draw for like if you want this is just like hyper violent, well animated. People fighting, right? <laughs> you know that's that's as big of a plug as I can get. I, I got it. So it's like, one of those as opposed to like uh, psychopaths, where it's, it's like more yeah, of a this story. Is, I'm not gonna say that this is super deep stuff, or at least yeah. I'm not enjoying it and I'm not consuming it on that level. Uh, right? Maybe if you want to, you can like throw some like huge commentary. And I, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but, right. you know, I'm, right. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> awesome, awesome. It's, 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 it's popcorn anime. Yeah. Right, got it. Very cool. Um, 
Is that it? Yeah, that's, that's nice. all I have nice, for now. Nice picks. Um, I'll do a couple real quick. Um, I don't have a lot of new stuff to talk about. I, I did, however, indulge in a very weird show called Castaways. Now, this just premiered on Tuesday night following Bachelor in Paradise. So, Bachelor in Paradise is a show <laughs> that I bond with my mom and watch. And um, Bachelor Good for you. and more right yeah. and more the Bachelor and the Bachelorette. Bachelor in Paradise is like the last two seasons I just couldn't watch. It's just too trashy. Like there's a line of trashy and then it's like way too trashy. And Bachelor in Paradise crosses it, so we'll see my how it's my like mileage goes. And then Fifty but, Shades of Grey. Like, well, oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's the or simplification. Fifty Shades Darker. Sorry. Right, 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 right. right. Yeah. But but Bachelor and Bachelorette are really good shows because. Not at the beginning. At the beginning, they're very scripted, and all the people say things that are so obvious. And you know, they pick one person who's the bad guy or the or the you know the enemy of the house, and everybody teams up against them. And and they have like little controversies that go on as the different bachelors and bachelorettes get eliminated. But by the end of the show, like the last seven guys, the last five guys, at that point, the relationships are real. You can't fake it. Even if you were filming a show that was completely scripted for, th- you know, three and a half months, you're going to start to have feelings when you put very attractive people together and let them choose who they want to date and have them hook up and talk about their feelings. They're going to get close. In fact, the show has a track record, especially The Bachelorette, of like three or four couples that are married and together today. So the reality of that show does emerge in about the last four or five episodes at that point it's phenomenally entertaining so whenever you see me tweet about the bachelor the bachelorette once in a great while it's because i have something i gotta say because it's intense and at that point people's hearts are breaking and it's real um and uh and so that's really entertaining for your entertainment right i love to watch people's hearts break well well so so it's not even just that it's also it's also watching their relationships form and the way people feel and i mean it is it's 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 titillating and it's interesting and 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 it's trashy katie over kaylee and it's just i mean that makes it sound cheap i mean it really isn't as cheap as you guys think but but (laughs) but anyway anyway so that that's one little little guilty pleasure thing that i enjoy um but um Castaways has been advertised heavily through this year's Bachelorette cycle, and it is this show. No, and it's really hard to like know what the hell it is. So it's it's a reality show where twelve everyday people, quote unquote, get dropped on an island, and or or like these these islets, I guess they call them in Indonesia, and they're dropped off. So each of them is um has like a backpack that they assemble of their stuff they want to have on this island. And then apparently they write journals before they come there for a reason I'll explain in a minute. And then, like, somehow when the show starts, you don't see a helicopter drop them off like you would on Survivor. You don't see, like, the boat bringing them there. You just see them flailing in the water. Like, oh, my God, I got to get to dry land in this really, like, artificial way. And then when they get there, they find a bag, each of them, but it's not their bag. So it's somebody else on the island's bag, and then like then they go through it. They're like, I found this person's journal, and I started reading it. And wow, this sounds like they have a hard life. And then flashback to that person's hard life, right? And so it basically, so far in the first episode, it focuses in large part on two of the 12 castaways. One is called Robbie. He's a 390-pound, um, 42-year-old father of two or three. Um, very charismatic. They cast him well. Um, and he basically is a great family man for, you know, 
10 or 12 hours a day, and then when everyone goes to sleep, he just eats and eats and eats into oblivion at night. Goes to bed, wakes up the next day, feels really guilty, and does it again. And he's trying to figure out, like, why he does that. Maybe it's abandonment issues, and they go into all this hyper-dramatic, unnecessary stuff. Point being, he's pretty compelling and interesting. Um, when they talk about their backstories, they have this really artistic, flowery writing that appears on the screen. So it's so that he'll come up there, he'll say, um, Kenzie has just walked off. And I'm not sure if she's abandoned me. And it writes it on the screen in cursive when he's like, it's like a journal entry. I mean, it's really histrionic and ridiculous. And and then Kenzie, who I just mentioned, she is like this Nashville singer wannabe. And like, they actually have a flashback to her breaking up with a boyfriend as if they didn't stage that fucking scene. You know what I mean? So, and then and then there's, like, I mean, what? oh, they just happened to be there when the breakup happened? Are you fucking kidding me? You know? And then the other thing is, too, they're supposed to be alone on this island, but they have these lush, glorious shots from a helicopter, clearly. From on land, clearly. They have to have a whole crew. And there's these people bemoaning, the lack of human contact is the hardest part out here. There's six fucking dudes filming you minimum. Minimum. I mean, and so it's just this... It's this this clash of what you clearly know as a thinking human being and what they're trying to pretend is going on. And, and on other shows, at least, like Survivor, like it's a big apparatus. We all know what it is. And it puts people at you know at, at odds with one another and they compete, but like the rules are known. We we understand what this is, how much of it's real, you know. This show is trying to like pretend that that's not the case. And I don't know if it'll be successful or not. I read some reviews online and they're kind of mixed, but it it's just it's dark and it's bleak and it's not very fun and it's a reality show and it's like hard to tell even what it really is and how real it is and i think it 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 just is a really interesting example of like you know there are their reality shows have figured out formulas for a reason and and i i i applaud them for trying to like reinvent it and make it like this a lot of one review i was reading i think it was entertainment weekly or 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 the ringer was talking about it's very malikian or terence malikian was the word they used for like the way that it's very like artistic and the way that the shots sweep and and just very indulgent um and so trying to combine that kind of filmmaking techniques with these That's stories you did like tree of life and all that yeah right <laughs> with these stories of of real people and you know it may end up being successful i doubt it but the point <laughs> is it's like survivor but with malik directing it and very boring because nothing happens the only premise is they don't know when they're being picked up and they got to survive until then um, or say I quit, and that's it. That's the only premise. There's no prize. There's nothing. And each of them has their their crucible, their cross to bear, right? So there's a there's somebody who's you know from Nicaragua or or, or someplace, and like you know his family was murdered or, or his brother was murdered, and you know he's talking about that. There's somebody who this one was interesting. She lived on Maui, off the grid, and so her family is smothering her, even though it's beautiful and she's on a surfboard. She feels like she's like her life will never change. She doesn't leave there. That one's interesting. And I guess they're going to focus on different characters going through. The characters meet up. They'll probably come apart. But it seems to me like it's like even more than the normal reality show. Very scripted. But I don't know yet. But I think I'm, I'll probably give it one more episode. But it's how many episodes are they on? Uh, they're on their second. It just aired okay. Tuesday, and we're recording hey, this Sunday. maybe it'll be like The Bachelor and Bachelorette, that, you know? <laughs> a guilty, like, fun bonding show, yeah. No, 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 no. or that, like, toward the beginning, it's just utterly ridiculous, yeah. because, and, like, toward the end, that's when, you know, the real relationships or the real tension. It know? probably will. Unfortunately, it's not enough fun, even on the surface, early on, to enjoy. Um, they did a good job casting. Like, the cast is pretty charismatic as far as 
everyday people go. Um, you know, <laughs> quote unquote, <laughs> right? Very quote unquote. Um, and they have these anyway. I won't go into it anymore because I'm, I'm boring myself. But but the <laughs> the point is, it's it's that I checked that out. That was that was interesting to say the least. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, just Mission Impossible. So I've been watching those movies, but we'll talk about that. Sure. Um, and reading. Um, did I talk about having get read more of the Lazarus yet? On no, the podcast, nah. so Lazarus by Greg Rucker. Are you familiar with it, Young? I know you are, Kevin. Yeah, you familiar I mean, with it? It's an I've image read the first series. Two it's an image series. We've talked about before on the podcast, but basically, it's uh, about like in Rucker's mind. Rucker's a very you know left of center politically, and his belief is that if things go in the direction that they're going, one day it'll literally be the haves and the have-nots to such an extent that there'll be like four or five families that that are the only people that have any luxuries in life. Then they can, and then everyone else is waste. And then a couple, like a certain group, are called serfs, and they've been uplifted to live as servants to the families. And then each family has a Lazarus, and it's like their weapon. It's genetically enhanced soldier. In this case, it's the main character is forever, and she's this girl, and she's great. Um, and like she doesn't know if her dad is her real dad genetically or not, and that's kind of some of the drama. But it's just a phenomenal series world building wise, and I've heard that said. I, I I was there day one, but I fell off after like halfway through the second trade just because things came up, and now I've gone back to it. Now I'm through the third one, and I'm about to pick up the fourth, and it gets better and better. I mean, it is a fantastic book. If you like good image, creator own series, and really good world building, it really doesn't get any better than this. And Ruck is a great writer, and I actually think my belief on Ruck is he's gotten better. I really do believe that. I've actually checked out some of his uh like novel novels and a little bit of them are a little bit i think it's called zodiac is the guy and i just don't it's a little amateur hour for me Mm -hmm. um but nowadays i really feel like you know he after 15 20 years in the industry he's gotten really really talented really honed his craft so and and i think um lazarus is is kind of the 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 high point for him at this point so loving that so lazarus i like the concept a lot i wasn't quite as hooked but i may give it another shot i mean i love the world building just the plot itself wasn't grasping me enough um but the art is fantastic and i mean i loved her as a character well think about and i'll just use this in vague terms think about you know there's one in the main family the carlisle Mm -hmm. family there's one brother who's going rogue and he's got the girl who's his accomplice and then like you know shit goes down with him and and what and how his plan you know backfires and that's just in the very first trade and then beyond that imagine like a prestige drama where characters that you hate kind of redeem themselves or once they're put in terrible situations their humanity comes through um people that are in untenable situations like they have to be pitted against each other even though they're actually friends those kind of dramatic things that really bring out great character writing um are present throughout and that's what really makes it like i keep reading that book expecting it to like lose me and it always gets me going you know so anyway. i might get back into it yeah i think you should yeah, it's great yeah, yeah especially the third one conclave Okay. When, when all the families get together and you really see the dynamics. That been, sounds more, yeah. Because yeah. he's been building this whole world of these families that interreact, and yet you don't see them really much. It's just these little, like, adventures. Now it's all come together, and, like, everybody's 
you know, plans. I, I think you need to get through the third to really appreciate it. Yeah, no, that seems well, and it is very expository in the beginning, so it's like, yeah, that makes sense. But, yep. Um, cool. Well, I guess on the note of image books, so like, I'm. Have you read Manhattan Projects? Uh, I, I I have the first one. Yeah. Um, Hickman often lost me in that period of his work, uh-huh. but I mean to get to it. How is it? I read the first trade, um, and I, I enjoyed it a lot. I'm also with Hickman uh, and Young, and I've had this conversation yeah. before too. He's a very dense writer. He's yep. very, I mean, and I mean, like East of West, especially, seems like the kind of thing that I would just fall in love with. And I do love how it looks and everything. But I mean, that sounds perfect for me. You know, like uh, space opera ish meets western meets all these cool sci-fi concepts and all that but it for me i read the first volume and i just had no idea what was going on yep. and he's read more of it than and i I've, have i've read I've, a good yeah, chunk yeah, of yeah. a good chunk of east and west and even i don't fully understand yeah, what's yeah. going on but i i mean like what what i would say about east and west is like as i'm reading i'm enjoying what's happening that's fair yeah. like, i have no idea what's going on but i'm in for the ride right i know that what they're doing like I don't know what they're doing, but what they're doing is cool. Right, <laughs> well, right, I right. I know what you mean. And see, I get that. With Manhattan Projects, I feel it's a little better in terms of, like, I have a better grasp of what's going on. There's still some convoluted stuff and some stuff that's just too dense for me. But, over, like, with East and West, I just couldn't get a feel for any of the characters. Manhattan Projects, so just a little background for, re- for our listeners out there. Um, it's set, you know, during World War II. It's kind of an alternate history book in which um, there are these two, were these two brothers... Um, growing up and one of them was a very respected member of society the other one was an anarchist both geniuses um, and basically the anarchist brother figured out this weird way to basic uh, to kill his brother and kind of in like through some kind of weird sci-fi take over his body and and poses him from the and so um, and the brothers are named Robert and Joseph Oppenheimer um, Joseph is the anarchist who takes over and poses as Robert and he uh, enlists himself in the Manhattan Projects and so and in this book instead of the Manhattan Projects being just a tool to develop the atomic bomb there is all these other projects that the military is working on artificial intelligence and eventually aliens come into the bigs and so just like all of Hickman's books is all these kind of weird sci-fi concepts molded into one and it's a lot to take in but what i like about that book more is it has a more central character to it there are other side characters too that we only know a little bit about based on that first volume um but overall i really like it i think it's a yeah. really interesting you're gonna continue it yeah i will because i got it through the humble bundle so i still i've still been going that was about one oh, of the right. ones on there i still don't by the way on that note there's a valiant humble, humble bundle right now yes it's, I, I don't know if I, I, I'm telling. I'm talking about this now on the podcast. I don't know, but it, depending on when we get this, um, it should be up uh, soon. Off, Let but, me take a look. Yeah, but um, I think it has at least ten days. Or so. Young, you should get on this too. This oh is, yeah. Uh, oh gosh. I mean, they're so cheap. You got to get it. So I mean, the, the humble bundles. Um, it's the site that basically. Uh, it's, don't they do video games too? I want. Yeah. Oh yeah. It started yeah. with video games. That's what I thought. Okay. So um, basically, they, it's now owned by IGN. By the way. Oh, very cool. So like um, for comics, they do. Um, you can pay like you know five dollars oh, or ten dollars. Oh my! Look how much they have. God. Right. Oh Look my! How much they have. God. I own a lot of these books. I'm still gonna get this because <laughs> like I mean, well, I've been wanting to read Harbinger Wars for a while, that kind of thing. 
Um, but basically, yeah, they and so Rich and I, Rich and I both got the image one from earlier this year. And I have, and I have bunch, another one too. Yeah, yeah, where it's a bunch of books that you. Pay, I mean, it's hundreds worth of comics you're paying like twenty bucks for. Uh, and oh so my god, I have gone through most of the image humble bundle, but um, that was the one, one for of the fifteen dollars or more. You get Quantum and Woody's entire deluxe edition, yes. four thousand one AD Bloodshot. deluxe, Harbinger deluxe, yep. Bloodshot, Exo Manowar, Divinity. The complete trilogy deluxe, yep. Ninjak deluxe. Yep. Oh my god, so it's I'm the hugest thing. I mean, yeah. I am. I'm. My fifteen dollars is spent. Yeah. Today. Yep. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's just, even if you read one of those young, it's a steal. Yeah. Just one book. So anyway. it's going. I mean, that has what like ten days left. Like oh that. god, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. it'll be up when we, yeah, when yeah. we post this. Sweet. Uh, um, nine days, twenty-two hours. <laughs> oh, perfect. Fact checker. Fact checker. Yeah. Thank you, young. Um. But yeah, anyway, so Manhattan Project, so I read the first trade. I enjoyed it a lot, and I think that was only like, it, whereas East and West is a multi-spanning book, the Manhattan Project was mainly like three or four. Oh, really? Yeah. That's all it went? Okay. I, I thought well, it was I like eight or nine, no? I could be, well, I could be wrong. I don't know. Whenever I see it in the comic shop, we can it's hope. like three. We can hope, right? Um, These yeah, things are all too damn long. I think yeah. there's more than that. I'm going to take, okay. uh, take a look at well, it. The thing but, with okay. Hickman is, is that his dialogue is... People don't talk like no, they don't. He talk. Ta- I mean, he writes in a very dense style that, which I don't mind. That it's more like how he tells the story. Yeah, like I need to, and I like I said, I don't mind that it's dense and that it has a lot going on. It's that I still want to know, have I some idea of what is going on? You know, with Manhattan Projects, I feel that just from the first trade, I feel that more than East of West. But like, I, but in, in some regard, I think Manhattan Project is like the perfect kind of story yeah. for Hickman to like talk about and get into like these lofty topics right, right. that he just loves. Right. Oh, and the, he brings in, of course, many real world figures. Um, of course, Eisenstein and so six. Um, and so it's still less than six. some. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. he's got well, he goes ten and twelve. Oh, and I know. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's half usual. Right. Go right. ahead. Um, but yeah, I mean, he brings in um, Roosevelt and Truman and of course all these but Nixon later on. Um, but it's a it's a really interesting concept and definitely one I'm interested in continuing. Um, so it's, it's really cool. It's, it's a, ongoing still, according to this. But he has. I thought. He oh, it was comics. relaunched as Manhattan Project: Sun Beyond the Stars. I don't know what what his deal is. Because I thought he, from what I've seen, like on Twitter and stuff, he's more in the film industry now. Like him, Brew Baker, a, a few of those like kind of longstanding writers have kind of transitioned to film and TV. Rucka is too. I mean, he still does comics, but um, but Brew Baker and um, Hickman are both kind of just in film and TV cool. now. Cool. But love uh, some Brew Baker. Yeah. So I'm reading that. Um, what other comics am I doing? Um, I'm finished on the valiant note. Um, so Jeff Lemire's Bloodshot Run is, run is You've almost been over. All over that run, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. it uh, still continue to be fantastic. Oh yeah, I love it. Because it's a dude. Lot, there is like, a Bloodshot dog. So think Punisher dog. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> white all, with a red eye, it's badass. Really, the only character I don't like, and he hasn't shown up for a while, is but Blood Squirt. He's not an action. He's more a figment of his imagination. Lame. But that that part is lame. But like, um, but I, it, it's not like such a distraction that's kept me from the book, but. Um, but yeah, basically it was, so he's done, it'll, by the time it's over, it'll be like somewhere around a 30 to 40 issue run. Um, he did like four volumes of Bloodshot Reborn, then Bloodshot USA, and now Bloodshot Salvation. Um, so it's all sort of one story, but like, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I liked the earlier Bloodshot stuff when Valiant relaunched. Um, you know, it's Punisher meets, you know, um, not AI, but like. You know, he uses nanite technology to enhance him. Mm. Um, but with Lemire's run, it just is so much... It's a much more compelling character study. And it has plenty of action, too, of course. But 
Um, but it's just gritty, it's visceral, it also has supernatural stuff that is welded into it really nicely. Um, and he has him cross over with other characters like Ninjak and Shadow Man and um, Exo somewhat, but not much. Um, but it's just a really compelling story. And I, yeah, I mean, it's one, I mean, there's some, you know, sometimes when a creator does a run of a character, it, you know, it fades out after a while or it kind of dies down. But this one, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be, it'll end with the perfect length. And I'm really excited to see how his story finishes out. Because at this point in the second volume of Salvation, leaves it on a total cliffhanger. Um, and it's just, he's really desperate to save his daughter. And in order to do that, he has to take out someone he doesn't want to. Um, and it leaves it on that note. So I'm really excited to see how this story ends. Nice. Um, but yeah, so that's Bloodshot Salvation. Um, well, I guess on the note of um, sort of really guns and gritty and all that. So I because the spinoff is coming out soon, I'm finishing up Sons of Anarchy. Um, so I'm on the, I finally oh, made are the final you really? season. Did yeah. you really? Man, that's made a slog. It. it took a while. I mean, and it wasn't like I did. And it's interesting because I started binging pretty early when I first started. Yeah, it. you were really then doing it, it first. Then it took a while, and then it just got repetitive. But that said, um, it's back. See the the season six finale. Holy crap! Is it jaw dropping? Like I mean, like um, I mean, you know that with Sons of Anarchy, there's gonna be a b- big body count, and you know that the character they kill off in that episode was meant to go eventually. I did not expect um, it to go it happen in this way, and this soon. I thought it was gonna save for the last season. Um, so the seven, just season seven. Is wow, you're gonna you're gonna be one of that. That um, uh, uh, celebrated group that's yeah. actually finished Sons of Anarchy. Oh, I mean, I'm not alone. They're like, it's. A, I know, you know you're not. But, There's um, this dude who goes to Starbucks and he's got Sons of Anarchy like like patches on his book bag. Yeah, it's like yeah. his show. It's his identity. You know. Yeah. Well, I am, and so Mayans MC comes out in September. That'll be like the like, uh, uh, but um. I mean, really? Are you pumped for Mayans pumped. MC? Not pumped, but I'll check it out. I don't know. Okay. Kurt Sutter still co-created it, and it's, uh, yeah, but it's just one of those. Just, like, that's not the point. I guess it is for some people. For some people, the motorcycles are the point. I, I think when we talked about it, I think that was one. one is not the most important part. Oh no, it's more the Shakespearean drama and yeah. performances and all that. That's what I go to it for. Yeah, and cool. I mean, you know, you you know what you to expect it. You're going to get a lot of excessive violence. You're going to get a lot of um, drawn out. Um, sequences with uh, a rock song playing in the background and an overture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you, I mean, it's not like it's going to be a terribly revealing, but there, that said, there are still some amazing twists and turns in the story. Awesome. Um, and yeah, no, so I'll check it out. See how it goes. But, cool. But I did want to finish up the original series. First. Nicely done. Yeah, yeah. Cool. cool. Are we uh, ready? Yeah, let's go ahead and do it. All right, cool. All right, um, so. It your, is time. Your review. Should <laughs> you <laughs> Right, right. It will self-destruct yeah. if it's uh, too terrible. Yeah. No, um, all right, so uh, we are going to um, take a moment and then talk about Mission Impossible. All right, time for some Mission Impossible chat. Are All you right. ready? Let's do it. Um, so, first things first, let's talk about our frame of reference. Um, for the new movie, I've seen it once. Um, you guys have both seen it twice, right? Correct. Which is yeah, I've seen it twice. Beautiful for our purposes because you guys know it really well. I know it pretty well. Um, previous films in the series, Young. What's your background on? Mission? I've seen all of them. I saw um, Mission Impossible one and two. Um, I I wasn't old enough to watch it in theaters. So. They should have just called Mission Impossible two Mission Impossible Woo. 
That would have been perfect. Would that have been perfect? Right? They should have. They should have. I love it. I, I was watching this. Uh, I was watching this clip, of, and you've heard me tell this story. But yeah, I was yeah. watching this clip of like. Tom Cruise and Pamela Wagner talking about producing two, you know? And they were just like, one of the first names that came up in our meetings was John Woo. It would just be great to have him. He's a visionary movie director. All the cliches were like flowing forth. And then um, he goes... Uh, talking about how like the action he goes and he just he just took these set pieces that we told him about and he just totally reinvented them and he made it special. I mean that's why that's why he's you know he's the woo. That's why he's the woo. And I he sounded like such a jackass saying it. He's like that's why they call him the woo. I just was I I, I mean my stomach. And it's turned. hilarious because I think if uh, today John Woo's name would never be in consideration for. Uh, Mission Impossible sequel, but back then, I mean, he was coming off the heels of Face Off and all that, so he yeah. was a huge name in that genre. Um, I mean, he's still he's a very iconic, but you know, with the he's direction not the they fucking the woo. I mean, like <laughs> he's the woo. If anybody ever said to me he's the Lapore, I would just like I, I don't know what I'd do. He's the shave. <laughs> I mean, the yeah, yeah, he he's the shave has a certain ring to it. He's the yeah, Lee yeah. has a ring to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's the Lapore doesn't somehow. But he's but either woo. way though, he's the woo. That's why he's the woo. I mean, and, and he just had this like like shit eating laugh after it. I mean, it was it was appalling. But anyway, maybe I'm being too hard on the guy. He had his long hair going. Um, but anyway, so you've so seen. So I, I had seen the first two on VHS um, that we that our family had for a while, and then I saw the three in theaters. Nice. And then I had the I don't know if I still have the DVD, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, and then I saw every every single one thereafter in theaters. So I had seen all of them once up to that point. I want to consider myself a, a huge like diehard Mission Impossible yeah, fan, but yeah. but yeah, I I, I You're was not a mission I was head. caught up. <laughs> Is that what they call? I have them? no idea. <laughs> I, I we should look Maybe up what they call yeah. Mission Impossible fans. <laughs> but um, but I, I was caught up with my lore. You know, uh -huh, I, uh -huh. I had watched like um, you know Ghost Protocol. Uh, you know, with a friend on DVD before seeing this one, which for the record, Ghost Protocol wasn't like the wasn't the it wasn't the fifth one, but I we just happened to watch Ghost Protocol right before watching um, Fallout, just simply because it was my friend's favorite of the series. So uh -huh. I was like, okay, cool. So, yeah, yeah, I, I was familiar with the topic, but yeah, that's cool. All right, cool. All right. Well, how about you? I've actually not seen them all. So um, when I was younger, I just I don't know. It, it I wasn't really interested. My prime action movie franchises are more like Die Hard. Um, I mean, now John Wick, you know, Mad Max, stuff like that. Um, but I've seen the first one. I've seen parts of, I want to say, Ghost Protocol, like on TV. Um, but I haven't seen two or three. And then I did see five in theaters. Um, and then I've seen Fallout twice. So um, definitely not an expert on my but Well, it um, sounds like the fandom is increasing, which is interesting. Yeah, I know. Um, well, was I mean, it like I, that for you, too, where it's like gotten you become more of a fan as it went on? I want I don't know if I would say I become more of a fan, but I but just from uh from me talking with other people. Yeah. Like people certainly seem to be becoming more aware of the franchise. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Interesting. Okay. And well, especially like as you know, born, for example, is not as commonly brought up, you know, when it comes to like action movies. Born like how to Except time, among Bornies. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Born like I well that's the thing I saw the Born movies in th oh I know I saw three in theaters and I had seen two on DVD multiple times before that but like that was kind of that was big for 
when I was in like middle and high school. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of died out. Like it had yeah. that trilogy. My point being is like that... there was a time when like if you were saying, oh, do you like action movies? Right, right. Are you a Mission Impossible kind of guy or are you a Bourne guy? Right, right, right. Are you a James Bond kind of guy? Right. But like nowadays it's like, oh, what are you? Like no one really brings up Bourne anymore. No, that kid died out. Yeah, because well, there also haven't been any good ones lately. Right. Well, they finished all they the trilogy. Been and they, they, they made <laughs> well, they made Legacy that was terrible, and then they did make one more with Matt Damon, I think. And everybody. oh, that's it, right, it, and it landed with a huge it, thud. It bombed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was that was that was unfortunate, yeah. or maybe fortunate for the future. I, yeah, who knows? Uh, um, so my background with Mission Impossible is um, I remember when the first one came out, and I was I was hyped for it. Um, there was this soundtrack song for some reason sticks out in my head from Larry Mullen and Alex whatever from um, U2 and they like redid the mission soundtrack for the song and it was like actually put out as like a club hit and it was boom 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 you guys have all heard yeah, it yeah, yeah. but Larry Mullen is like I think he's the bass player for U2 so he's like rocking the bass line and like nice. boom 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 and it's like really intense and driving um, and it was a good track you know track and um and, and then I went and saw the movie. I was It was really surprisingly good. Um, I love a twist, as we all know. And this movie, you know, by definition, Mission Impossible is all about twists. And the twists in that first movie were really good. I think they pulled off a lot of those reveals with a lot of success in that first movie. Of course, later when you know stuff or watching it later, that's different. But first seeing it, I was really surprised multiple times. That aquarium scene is just iconic. There's just a lot of good stuff. Mission Impossible 2, I saw at some point, but I remember it zero. Like, I do not remember you it. Don't at remember all. the pigeons? I don't. I, <laughs> when I saw it, I, I now I do because I've rewatched it, but back then, like, if you told me about 2, I'd been like, oh, I heard it's more action packed, directed by John Woo, and he's got long hair. That's about all I could have told you. So, um, then um, 3, I remembered really well, but when I think about it, the narrative in my head is Philip Seymour Hoffman almost entirely, and I forgot that it was even a Mission Impossible movie, and I thought of it like this very emotional, visceral gut punch of a journey for Ethan. That's what I hear a lot about 3. And, and that's what I remember yeah, yeah. about it. Watching it again, my mileage was different. But that's what I remembered it to be. Like, it wasn't even a mission movie anymore. It had become something else. Mm-hmm. Then, um, I at some point, unmemorably, I saw the next one, which is Ghost, Ghost Protocol. Protocol. Yeah. I don't the remember anything except for like him at like a cafe, which happens a lot. Like, talking or meeting with somebody, right, in some foreign country. And that's about all I remembered of it. I think I saw the scene where he's clawing on the wall, uh, climbing the building. That's Is that Rogue Nation or is that Ghost Protocol? That was Ghost Protocol. Yeah, yeah when he's climbing on the building. So I think I remember that scene, but it may just be that I've heard people talking about it so much and seen it so much that I remember it. I think I saw that one, but it didn't stand out for me, except that I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rogue Nation I haven't seen. And then I was, I was going to let that bother me, and then you had seen Fallout... Um, other friends of mine had seen Fallout, and the buzz was insane. There's Tom Cruise on Fallon saying, we made this movie for the big screen. That's what this movie's meant to be seen on. Like, he was talking about... And how, he's not kidding. <laughs> no, he's not kidding. He, he, he treated Fallon and his whole casting crew to, uh, like, a big screen IMAX, the biggest IMAX there is. Fallon's there. You know, he's always a big fanboy, but he's losing his mind on the stage about this movie, and I was like, fuck it, I'm going. That's it. Um, you, uh, Kevin, were nice enough to go with me again, and you wanted to see it a second time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Young, as well, went with us, which was just, we had a blast. Um, and... It was great. I mean, it was a really good experience seeing it. But a little side note to all of this is that I also picked up the Blu-ray box set of the first five. 
because it was 20 bucks at Best Buy, which is oh, a great nice. deal for all five, right? Definitely. That's what I got so, at the Planet of the Apes trilogy a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. do that like yeah. around these movies to, like I guess, hype it. Yeah, but, yeah. So I watched the first one again, which I enjoyed. Um, it's a little bit... Like, it, it ages a little bit, like, it's not that it's a bad movie script-wise and acting-wise, but it ages a little poorly CG-wise, special effects-wise. Like sure. They pull the mask off, it's a little, like, jokey. I watched the second the first one, one, they're constantly pulling the mask off. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Just 15 mask yeah, pulls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right? They have to coin a phrase, a mask pull. <laughs> right? Because hey, I don't remember the mask as much as I remember the pulls. But you know <laughs> what I mean? Less the less mask is coming off. Like, the mask pull thing has always been a part of that franchise, but it's become less and less. Like Very wisely. Yeah, yeah. Very wisely. They use it, like, twice in the new one. Yeah. Aces. Right. Um, and they even make a big plot point out of the fact that... Well, we'll talk about it. We're going to go through the sure. plot in a minute. Um, two, I rewatched, and I am blown away away by how many pigeons are in that fucking thing. <laughs> that movie is Pigeon City. There's yeah. 40 minutes of him hanging out in tunnels with pigeons. Maybe 30. Like, a lot of minutes. I just want to, like, see what John Woo's childhood was like and what inspired him. Because, I mean, that's what Face Off has, too. It's, I mean, anyone who can put pigeons and doves in the middle of a firefight just for artistic purposes. Tons of them. I, I mean, the, their flapping is, like, supposed to be, I don't know, it just has impact. Um... And, like, the guy jumps out and the pigeons fall. And you know how it is, right? right? It's like, oh, that's, that's, that's big. Um, and then, uh, I mean, that movie's kind of ridiculous, you know? Um, yeah. But, but it's, it's definitely the worst one, I'd say, no question. Um, but um, three, I'm almost finished rewatching it. And my rewatch of three has been different. My mileage varied. First of all, I'm much more ingrained in, in, in understanding the mission franchise in general because I've watched some special features. I've talked with you guys. I've seen it all over online. Seen Fallout now. So rewatching that one, it is very much just an excellent Mission Impossible movie. It is not just the Philip Seymour Hoffman aspect, which is Although all I remember great. of it. He's fantastic. He's I mean, he is one of the best villains in a in a, a you know big cineplex film a blockbuster that I've ever seen. No question, he's a master. Um, and when he makes that threat, he doesn't yell it. He says it in you know he's like I'm matter of factly so well. Yeah. And, and I mean, he does it so well. And there's a couple twists in that movie that got me all this time later. Like I actually was fooled. Um, and I'm looking at Billy Crudup, and I'm like, you look so evil and so dangerous. <laughs> you look like the biggest traitor ever. And then that movie spends an hour and a half convincing me he is not a traitor. Effectively. Like, that scene where Tom Cruise is laying down, strapped up, and Billy Crudup is there, like, pretending he's pissed off and feeding him information and a little tool to escape. Of course, it turns out for his own reasons. I bought it completely. I was like, they are going against type here. They wanted us to think he's a bad guy, and he's really not. It's really Lawrence Fishburne, who normally would be the good guy. Nope, I got played, and I loved every minute of it. So that part was awesome. That movie's just great. It's just purely great. I like. That was the Abrams one. Yeah. He, yeah. Abrams killed it. Abrams. Yeah. Now, I made a comment earlier about how, in a way, Ghost Protocol relaunched the franchise, but in another way, three did. So it's like that's when he brought it, in Benji. It brought in Benji. Yeah. It, it, of course, it had Luther Stickler for the third time and really reestablished that character. Now, the Wu movie made get, brought him action, right? But, um, but, you know, he started actually, like, being in the field and fighting. Yeah, yeah. But the third one really, like, ingratiated it. Like, they're all this team and they're tight. And Benji sort of proved his worth. And it, it, it crafted the core team of the IMF that was going to move forward into the next three movies. So, in a way, it was like the, the, the soft launch of the new franchise. And then the, the hard launch happened with Brad Bird. And, and the fourth one um, 
But that movie is fantastic, and, and man, I just have to hand it to J.J. Abrams. That movie got passed around director to director multiple times, and finally he took it and got that opportunity. It really kickstarted his whole career. Yeah. Because it took him from TV to film, which is a hard jump to make. It's mm-hmm. hard to imagine now because Abrams is like God in Hollywood, but back then he was a TV guy, and these were big budget movies. Although right? his first movie out of college... He just written it, but it was regarding Henry, starring Harrison Ford. Sure, so it's just, sure, but but but, <laughs> but yeah, he's a just, film yeah. guy. Now right, he was right. a TV guy. Now he's a right, director. Right, right, they right. gave him a lot of respect to do that. That was the movie that really launched him as a director. Um, so anyway, three is great, and then I, I'm vaguer about the last uh, three. But anyway, okay. long-winded yeah. way of saying uh, let's talk some Mission cool. Six. Okay. Um, so what we're gonna do, as we often do uh, when we start out reviews, is we're gonna go through a recap. Um, and if everybody could kind of bring it up, or if you could at least, young yeah, and all, and all, you got on Wikipedia, of uh, the uh, six, Fallout. All right, cool. And I'm pulling mine up as well here. Um, and I'm going to go through the Wikipedia um, breakdown of the plot of six, so that everybody's on the same page. Now, of course, if you haven't seen the movie, you might want to go see Fallout and then come back, because we are going to just go through it plot point and by plot. And see it on the point. biggest on the biggest screen you can. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are, we'll we'll talk about it as we go through the synopsis, but there are some particular scenes that I think would look fat like look fabulous on the big screen but if I had seen I, I'd still maybe want to see it on IMAX <laughs> just even a third time yep. yeah I could see that I could totally see going another time it's that worth it from a visual perspective right I agree um, and even though the movie's two and a half hours it doesn't feel like it to me it feels like it really moves and I'm I'm Mr. I'm bored in this movie guy okay um, oh, I want to I want to call you out on something really quick in a funny way. Right. Um, so young, we're sitting down in the theater, and I hadn't seen five, and so we're talking about like how much these movies tie into one another. And young says to me, he goes, you know, of all of the movies, um, six has the most to do with five, but really you don't need to have seen any of them. I mean, it's just slightly connected, right? <laughs> I start watching it, and it's like boom, big. You did mention that there would be a, a you know a, a exposition, yeah, yeah, yeah. But man, like they give you the entire plot of of, <laughs> of five in that movie, and and like the whole first act is based on the guy from five. Yeah, now yeah, yeah. maybe in a way that's a MacGuffin, but. At the same time, I was like, man, you undersold that a little, buddy. <laughs> I, mean, I was just like, damn, like, this is a direct fucking sequel to that. Excuse me, I'm going, I'm going off here. All right. Two years after the capture of Solomon Lane, the remains of his kind organization. Of a tie in by right. Just a, just a little, little, little light tie, right? Uh, the remains of his organization, the Syndicate, have reformed into a terrorist group known as the Apostles. In Belfast, Ethan Hunt, my man, is given a mission to intercept three stolen plutonium cores before the Apostles can sell them to a fundamentalist named John Lark. Because he wants to do something on a lark. Just kidding. He joins Benji Dunn and Luther um, Stickle. Sh- right, right. <laughs> a really bad joke. He joins Benji Dunn and Luther Stickle for the mission. Of course, the team's back together. Um, but they fail when Ethan chooses to save Luther's life, and the plutonium is taken by the apostles in Berlin. Note, uh, Ving Rhames, Luther Stickle, chose, he was like, kill me, just get this done. Yeah. Ethan, he was selfless. Ethan chose to save him. Big theme in the movie, by the way, is do you choose the one or the many, or do you try to do both, right? Um, introduced here. Um, the team capture and interrogate nuclear weapons expert Nils DeBrook and learn that he built three portable nuclear weapons for the Apostles. CIA Director Erica Sloan instructs Special Activities Division Operative August Walker to shadow Ethan as he attempts to receive the pl- retrieve the plutonium. Now, this part is basically Erica Sloan is played by Angela Bassett, right? Correct. correct. Um, and August Walker is the big uh, the big hype here because he is 
Henry Cavill. Right. Um, With so, the mustache that we've waited. Mustache gate. Since Justice League. <laughs> on display. Right. Uh, so Henry Cavill is, is basically like the new entrant to this movie. Um, and so just to put this in perspective, he is a CIA person, a special activities division guy in the CIA. His boss basically says, hey, um, they're going to retrieve these plutonium cores. Um, they effed it up last time by making a decision that wasn't probably in the best interest of the world. I'm sending you in to ostensibly observe and see what's going on. So that's how um, August Walker gets involved and is hanging out. So now we have two agencies working together, um, the CIA and the IMF, Impossible Mission Force. Um, it should be noted that the Impossible Mission Force's most senior person that we see is played by Alec Baldwin. Um, he is the something. I don't remember exactly. Oh, IMF Secretary Alan Hundley. Um, so anyway, so the mission moves forward. Um, Ethan and Walker infiltrate a fundraiser party in Paris where Lark is believed to be buying the course from an arms dealer known as the White Widow. They track a man whom they suspect to be Lark, um, and, and he is killed by when Ilsa Faust intervenes. Now, this is that puts it really quickly, but basically the whole mission is to um, go in there kidnap this guy take on his identity with a mask right and then what other way <laughs> it's mission possible yeah. only thing they don't have to i love it i love it um and so uh that that's the plan they grab the guy turns out he's a kung fu effing master <laughs> i still master. it's one of my favorite scenes if not that scene favorite, is amazing yeah. oh. so there's this punchy if there's one i've never seen a better use for the word punchy yeah. than that fight i mean it clunks and it thunks and it punches and it hits hard. In one of the cleanest bathrooms you'd ever see. Immaculate (laughs) for now, right? I mean, that that bathroom gets wrecked. Um, So, and and there's also an interesting scene. There's an right. There's an interesting scene when um, these like jackasses roll up and they're like like messing with them because they see two people's feet under the door so they think yeah, they're yeah. having sex so they come over there like let us in guys we want to have fun and they really do that scene really well and the tension rises because they actually like try to jump on their tippy toes and look in and I'm like oh they're gonna see I mean it's really well done but anyway a new character emerges Ilsa Faust is that her name Faust yes yeah. and um, she is um from the past. Right? Yes. Uh, we've seen her in something, maybe? Or no? Or is it she introduced new? No, 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 no. She's in the previous uh, previous film. Okay. I, I, from, okay, so again, I hadn't seen it. Um, but but anyway, she, uh, for whatever reason, the fallout of that, again, another tie to that movie. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, they're very subtle ties to Ray Oh, Nation. so subtle. Yeah, yeah, not yeah, like main yeah. characters and, <laughs> and half the movie. I, mean, I still argue you don't need, well, obviously, you don't need to see the, the fifth film. You, you don't need to. <laughs> But if you haven't seen it, you've now seen it, basically. Um, okay. So um, the uh, – what was I going to say? The Tracked a Man, Lilsa Fowler, Personates Lark. Um, 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 um. Basically, uh, the the whole thing goes – oh, yeah, Ilsa Faust. So she's MI6 uh, on, on their shit list. We find this out later. But the point is she's on the run from MI6 and she's hiding, but she wants to do something that's going to win back – respect with them and make it make them know she's not a traitor so that's her motivation throughout this movie what she wants to do is take out lark and stop this deal and bring lark to uh mi6 and uh or no bring lane no, not bring lark. lane yeah solomon lane yeah, 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 yeah. to mi6 um turn him in and you know basically get vindication for having failed previously. actually our mission is to kill him okay okay well kill lane okay and then bring the dead body back or or not but even the thing br- was is that like Lane um, knew 
in the movie they say Lane knew, knows too much about MI6 and how it operates uh. and then be, because like the whole thing was that Lane was going from government to government in like an endless interrogation because like every government wants a piece of them but like MI6 doesn't want like for example the CIA to know like how uh. MI6 operates and stuff like that I got it so they wanted it off Lane so that Lane wouldn't potentially share secrets to other albeit Friendly governments, but right. they but, are but secrets one, nonetheless. Right, right. Everybody's intelligence is their own, and you know, yeah, they exactly. want to keep it that way. So that's her motivation. Um, it turns out that they're in a really tough fight with this kung fu master, um, <laughs> who at this point we think is Lark. Um, so Ilsa steps in and blows his face off, basically with a bullet right to his brain. And now the face can no longer be turned into a mission mask, right? So... Um, Cavill and Tom Cruise argue a little bit about what's going to happen next, but basically Tom Cruise says, now we just have to hope the White Widow has never seen Lark and move forward with the plan. Which I dug, because in its way, it's subverting the, there's masks in these movies all over the place. In this case, they're like, well, Mission Impossible is still Mission Impossible without masks, right? Sometimes you can't make one. Um, So that was interesting. Okay. Um, He impersonates Lark and meets, Ethan impersonates Lark and meets the White Widow, who's beautiful, of course, because she's like a Bond lady, you know, like they all are in this, um, and warns that the agents of the Apostles have been sent to kill her, and the two evade their pursuers. Um, Ilsa gets involved in a way, and it's violent and whatever. Walker passes on evidence. Now, this is one sentence on Wikipedia, but this is a pretty important moment. Walker, August Walker, again, played by Henry Cavill, passes evidence onto Sloane, um, Angela Bassett suggesting that Hunt has always been Lark which, so, which at this point in time if like the audience hadn't suspected it before this is the scene that confirms that Henry Cavill is the bad guy in this film right it is that moment because, because of the phone yes because in the bathroom scene um, it's shown very clearly that this guy who's supposedly Lark his phone is smashed in that in that big fight sequence and then as evidence walker you know shows this phone and it's pristine right so obviously it's going to be i mean if you think about it for about five seconds you'll know that you know he's planted information on that phone to incriminate um ethan as as lark um and then he gives an impassioned speech about why ethan might have turned (laughs) um and young you had pointed out that um well, I'll let you say it, that that's kind of his... Well, we'll talk about that. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, we'll get to that. But but basically, he gives a speech saying that, um, that uh, you know, uh, here's why I think Ethan turned. And how For how long can, you know, you know, a agent, you know, be kicked around by its government, you know? Exactly. So anyway, there's that. Um, Angela Bassett doesn't fully believe it, but then she's got evidence, so that things move forward. In order to secure the plutonium, the White Widow tasks Ethan with extracting Lane from an armored convoy moving through Paris. Um, she provides one of the plutonium cores as payment in kind for the mission. So he gets one of the three, is out of play now. Um, Ethan and Walker attack the convoy and lead the police and the White Widow's men on a chase across Paris while Benji and Luther secure Lane. Um, the point there being What's that... Mu- oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No. I was just going to say it, it was going to be a bloody mess. But he finds a way to like make very little casualties, right? Yeah, I, I was just basically going to say exactly that. Which it is important to note that White Widow and her gang, their original plan was just to go in and slaughter like the entire pol- like police the, force, the French police force. Um, and he finds a way by. So there's tension uh, in several ways because number one, Ethan 
needs to get Solomon Lane because it's revealed that that's how Lark is supposedly going to be paying for all this, this plutonium. Right. There's an additional layer of tension because Solomon Lane will actually recognize Ethan because right. it was Ethan that caught Solomon Lane. So although uh, White Widow has never met Lark... You know, this Solomon definitely it. has, and if Solomon and um, White Widow ever get in a room together, Solomon can just be, dude, dude, that's definitely not Larry. <laughs> yeah, that's Ethan, dude. That is Ethan Hunt. Right. Yeah. So that there's another layer of that, um, and then of course there's a layer of obviously Ethan Hunt doing something that is not very in his wheelhouse yeah <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't do that he doesn't Ethan I mean hunt's not supposed to be the bad guy bringing out he, bad guys out of jail. he doesn't right he doesn't want to kill one person let alone a police force of innocent right. people trying to save lives right i mean it would just be horrendous now a lot of times in the films he's he's tasked with doing things like a lot of these heist movies like somebody has you over a barrel and you have to do a heist like an ant-man you know, you have to do a heist even though you don't want to do it because somebody's got something on you. Things like that. Anyway. Um, okay. So, Ilsa reappears... Uh, they secure Lane. Ilsa reappears and attempts to kill Lane to prove her loyalty to MI6. The mission to extract Lane is successful and White Widow instructs the team to deliver Lane to London. Can I make yeah, another note? please. Um, it was during this sequence that uh, there's a hilarious... <laughs> um, Number one, this is a huge action sequence. Yeah, that takes place over multiple parts. There's the crash um, that leads to the extraction of Lane, which leads to um, running away from the cops, which leads to the, um, bike the bike, which leads to Ilsa chasing after Ethan and Lane. Right, crazy action sequence. But oh. throughout this, there is that one sequence in which. The entire team thinks they've actually gotten away. All is in the clear. That's right. They rise up th um, from underground in this getaway car. And then there's this French police officer who just happens to be right. Right outside the garage. And she sees <laughs> the sketchiest thing of all time going down. <laughs> this dude with a bag over his head, you know, being shoved into the back of a uh, back of a car. And they all look over with that deer in headlights look at her. <laughs> yeah, and, and she pulls good. her gun out, and she's like, wait, 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 I'm gonna stop, don't move. And Ethan's just like, no, please, please leave. Please walk away. But I think, but the reason why I highlight this is not only because it's a hilarious sequence. And really well done. Yeah. But number two, it, it kind of reemphasizes overarching theme of like he it's doesn't want to one save, person to die. You know that one life, you know, versus saving the world. Right. Now that said, to do it, he ends up having to kill four of the White Widow's operatives. Yeah, yeah. Which is, <laughs> oh, I mean, but that's fine. Yeah, but They're that's fine. evil. Yeah, they yeah, made yeah, that yeah, choice yeah. to be evil killers. Whereas right. that cop, he shoots her, but not in a fatal way. And right, and then he saves yeah. her. No, as actually, yeah. he doesn't. No, shoot he her. doesn't shoot her. That she gets shot. She gets shot by okay. uh, the White Widow's men, um, and then uh, one of the White Widow's men orders another guy to basically finish him, which forces Ethan Hunt's hand, and he just. It's like mows them all down. Yeah, yeah, mows them all down, which uh, which gives me like collateral flashbacks. If you guys have ever seen another Tom Cruise, I have, and that's a fantastic movie. He, he's a fast draw. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. I mean, it's, when you think it's to show his skills, it's really cool. Conversely, I do like the fact that in that bathroom scene, they were both kind of outmatched, and I like that. There was some realism there. You yeah, know what I mean? It was two on one, and it was uh, yeah. And he, that that kung fu dude was still playing them hard. <laughs> you know, he was playing them, uh, and that's Henry Cavill, who's a huge you know beast of a man. Okay, so um, anyway, uh, another thing too, isn't it? In that you fight, call when... him super. 
Right, one might. <laughs> Isn't it also true in that Ready fight that Ilsa, Ilsa tries to snipe Blade? Isn't that yeah, true? Yeah, yeah, Which is also a big thing because you see this woman in a mask and she tries to kill him and it's it's pretty intense because, you know, you don't really know. Like, she's shown to be friends with Ethan, but then she's basically doing something the exact opposite of his goal there. Yeah. So that's another tension moment. And up until that point, Lane doesn't even know that Hunt has him in captivity because he's been blindfolded. But Right, yeah, yeah. right, and right. And the only reason he takes off his blindfold is because he thinks he might be dead and, oh, after... Uh, oh, that's a good him. point. Yeah. I didn't realize that. There's yeah. a lot of subtlety, amazingly, yeah. for such a bombastic movie. Okay, here's where We've shit goes down. <laughs> right, right. Here's where shit goes down. At a safe house in London, IMF Secretary Alan Hunley, played by Alec Baldwin, confronts Ethan about being John Lark, um, saying that he's heard it from Angela Bassett, um, Sloan, and uh, that, that there's evidence, and he needs to come in, this whole saga that happens in all these spy movies. We need to bring you in. Debrief. Um, Ethan denies it, of course, and incapacitates um, Alan Hunley to continue the mission. The team trick Walker into admitting he's the real John Lark. Again, that's one sentence, but this is a masterful scene. And this is the one, like, real, real big deal use of the masks. Uh Um, So basically, um, all this stuff goes down. Is that Sloane comes in before that happens or after? Because Sloane comes in with her whole crew to take them in, and they have to That's escape. That's a little after. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's just the the IMF crew. For okay, the right. Game. And so they, they... Okay, I got what it was. So um, Lane Lane basically... Excuse me. Walker gets in the room with Lane, and he basically reveals his plot. How does that all work the, out? The, the, the thing is, is that... So, so they go to, like, a rendezvous point, okay, um, where they, they meet up and they say, okay, they're... We need to bring um, Solomon to the White Widow because we need to make the trade. Right. White Widow also happens to want Ilsa, but we'll figure that out on the way. Right, right. Um, so they tell everyone in the room, including Walker, that, hey, the plan is to take um, Benji and put Benji in the mask and then pawn off Benji in, Sol- in the Solomon head to White Widow. Right. Um, they go... Because it's the only person with the size and height and... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> then they um, put who we think is Lane in the cell. Then and... they then they make the scan of with Benji and um, Lane in the room and then you see Ethan Hunt walk off with quote-unquote Solomon. Right. And then they tell... Um, Walker to say, "Hey, watch over, you know, Lane." Right, right. Now, um, now it's then, falling into place. Yeah. yeah, and then Lane gets some one-on-one, quote-unquote, one-on-one time. Right. With Lane, and he's just like, you know, you are making this effing difficult. Right, right. <laughs> you know? and, and does Why his, does this have to be so effing complicated? <laughs> and does his real like admission of all guilt right yeah, there exactly. and then. And then he's just saying, you know. Why are you so obsessed with Ethan Hunt, you know? Right. And then that's when the reveal happens. And so then Benji, basically once he reveals everything, Benji pulls off the mask. And it's great. And I was not expecting it. it was I great. wasn't either. No, I thought, yeah. Did it you see it? was actually Walker who pulled off Benji's mask. Once he realized yeah, something. Yeah, once he because And then his he gun was, isn't loaded. And yeah. Then, yeah. And then. Exactly. Uh, Baldwin pops out in the next minute and he's not and all that. This one's then, loaded. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, yeah. And um, then that's when Angela Bassett. Uh, or was that? No. Was that right there? Or a bunch of guys showed up after that because they do another kind of like how Henry Cavill escapes here. Um, 
and this is when uh, Goblin dies and all that. Right. Down. Yeah, exactly, because um, uh, Sloane is just like, okay, you've prevented me evidence to doubt my the evidence previously given to me by Walker, but... but- now I just don't trust anything. Right. Everyone come in. Right, to be debriefed, which of course can't happen because too many things are in play. Yeah. And they'll miss all kinds of windows and nuclear threats going on and Ethan, you know, has got to be Ethan and do the right thing. So she wants to detain everyone. The CIA unit has been compromised by the Apostles and Walker orders them to attack instead. Oh, I didn't realize that until yeah. I see this. So because the whole unit has been turned. Because remember, Walker gives an order to the cops because it seems like oh well now the CIA agents have surrounded both both right. the IMF and Walker and then Walker's just like oh you think you know this is how it goes down and then he actually turns around and gives orders to some of the CIA operatives and it's very clear that you know he's actually calling the shots that's crazy I didn't realize that at that time I thought that it was just okay that's good that makes the sense and the reason they had to do that is because then they kill a lot of those people and they yeah. have to be traitors or else they'd be killing good people. Mm-hmm. That makes sense now. Now I get that. Because I was thinking, oh, didn't missed. some of those people get gunned down, you know? <laughs> and if you gun down CIA agents who are just doing their job, that's not Ethan-y. Yeah. Um, okay, no, those now were I get it. Apostles. That I didn't get as the one little subtlety, at least so far, that I didn't get. Okay. Yeah, there, um, it's just one moment, but you hear Walker giving orders mm-hmm. to the CIA officer. And then they op- act- And then activate. they start firing. Okay. Um, the CIA unit has been compromised and orders and Walker orders them to attack instead. Walker kills Hunley in the ensuing fight and escapes. Um, so he kills Alec Baldwin. Ethan chases him across the city but is unable to apprehend him. Walker threatens the life of Ethan's estranged wife, Julia Mead, in an interesting um, parallel to movie three. Um, yeah. When, you know, that guy makes the threat. Um, and departs for a medical camp in Kashmir with Lane. So the two of them roll off to this medical camp. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, the team deduces that Lane plans to detonate the two remaining nuclear weapons. So Lane is the freaking one of the bad guys through this whole movie. I mean, yeah. you know, it's yeah, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, to detonate the two remaining nuclear weapons over a glacier and contaminate the water supply of Pakistan, India, and China. With a third of its population affected, the world will descend into anarchy, from which Lane hopes a new world order will emerge. That's a little flimsy, but whatever. Ethan finds Walker has arranged for Julia to be assigned to the medical camp, increasing the pressure on him. Lane activates the weapons and gives the detonator to Walker. Ethan pursues him in a helicopter, leaving Benji, Luther, and Ilsa to find the nuclear weapons. Uh, Luther and Julia find the first bomb, uh, excuse me, finds the first bomb work to understand its mechanism, but they are unable to defuse it without the detonator. Ilsa and Benji locate the second weapon and subdue Lane. After a lengthy chase, Ethan uses his helicopter to ram Walker's aircraft out of the sky. The two fight on a cliff edge and Walker is killed. Ethan gains control of the detonator, allowing Luther, Ilsa, and Benji to deactivate the bombs. That's a mouthful. <laughs> it's the whole final sequence, right? Um, this is the scene that when uh, Tom Cruise was on Jimmy Fallon, um, this is what he shows, and this is the scene they show in all like the oh my god he does his own stunts he's a madman uh, little vignettes. Yeah. So basically he does this he flies his own helicopter. And now, oddly actually, enough, this isn't the one where he broke his leg. No, he broke his leg jumping over buildings yeah, earlier yeah. in the movie. Yeah, yeah. And Chasing apparently, Walker. And apparently the shot that features um, Tom Cruise ba- breaking his ankle or whatever. Um, that is the one that's that was used, used in the film. Yep. Mm-hmm. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, also, I read somewhere that um, it actually cost them like 
eight or eighty million, a lot of money to shut down for eight weeks. They had to pay everybody for that time. Was it, eight? it was either eight or eighty. Or eight weeks or something. Yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, it was a long well, yeah, time. Yeah, no, no kidding. But there was insurance. Here it is. It was eighty million. It cost the studio um, because there was an eight week hiatus so that the people wouldn't take another job and break down everything. Right. Um, insurance did end up paying for it though, which is. Interesting. Just an interesting note. Yeah. But um but anyway, so this he learned how to fly a helicopter. He did this stunt for real where he falls off like that rope of the helicopter down to the bottom. Yeah. That was the craziest. And and Tom Cruise was alone in that helicopter. And I usually don't have like those heart jumping moments in action movies just because I've seen it all. But when he falls back after that like that, actually made the first time I saw it like Holy crap. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, it was a crazy scene. Really interesting. We'll talk about it. We'll just get to the end sure, here. Sure. In the aftermath, the remaining two cores are safely recovered. Sloan hands Lane over to MI6 through the White Widow, which earns Lisa's exon- Ilsa's exoneration. Ethan recovers from his injuries with the help of Julia, while the rest of the team joins him in victory. Uh, the end. The happy end. Um, there's also a moment that is so crazy and fraught when the team has to guess when Ethan would have hit the detonator right. or turned off the detonator. And, like, they have a second. that They just say, we're going to do it at one second and hope yeah, he gets I it. Yeah, I literally, like, I, I want to say shouted, but I, I loud in the, in the theater the first time I saw this movie, like, when Benji suggested, no, let's not do it on two. Let's do it on one. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, and the it's way crazy. they frame that shot, too, after he does defuse the bomb in time, but it looks like he might have failed because the, the camera turns the and the glare of the sun makes it look like it's the bomb going off. The movie's really well done. Yeah. The tension, especially hearing you talk about the four or five levels of tension in that earlier scene, the yeah. movie's really well honed. Like, that movie is precise. I think Christopher McQuarrie, like, I mean, I think the reason he's the best director out of all Mission Oswald because, I mean, it's, it's fascinating looking at the evolution of the franchise. You had Brian De Palma do the first one who was a mastermind of action movies in his heyday, especially um, with, like, Untouchables. I mean, he'd made some landmark movies. Um, and then you had John Woo, who is... John, he's the Woo. Um, <laughs> and then you had Abrams, then Brad Bird, which was interesting because he came from an animation background. And to this day, he's his only live-action movies are um, that and Tomorrowland. Um, other than that, he's on animation. And then, um, then Christopher McQuarrie has done the last two. And he, his style, what I like about it most is that it perfectly combines the exaggerated, um, just over-the-top nature of the franchise with these incredibly visceral action sequences that, um, as you said, there are different levels to them. The tension builds perfectly. Uh, there's just It's just relentless throughout. But yet not in a bad way. So there's right. a thing about these movies that for a lot of people like them, but I can't get down with a movie that it's at a breakneck pace to such an extent that the whole time I'm not comfortable. I'm yeah, like yeah, yeah, on yeah. edge. This movie. Have you seen Dunkirk? Yes. Did yes. you like Dunkirk? I like Dunkirk. Okay, I think was it was that incredibly an overhyped. Of... Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it was short enough though. Gotcha. So two and a half hours of Dunkirk would have been different. <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? I mean, so it was an hour and a half. The movie's like like crazily short. Yeah. Um, I don't love Dunkirk. I think it's just. just I didn't love it either. Yeah. I thought it was okay. It's good. It's a good movie. Um, I guess. But that was an example of it's like, oh, this is tension on tension it, on tension. It never yeah. ends. Yeah. Never ends. <laughs> right. And, 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 I think more Inception is what he's talking about. Like yeah. That. Yeah. 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 Those kind That's of movies. Good. No. No. I love Inception, but at the same time, I mean, there's an hour and a half when you can't stop biting your nails. It's exhausting, and especially with the sequence. 
at the end when they're in three different levels and oh, the trucks falling over and all that. And you're worried the trucks could. I mean, it's like my my heart was packed. I mean, which is good. He's doing his job, but it just goes on and on. And it's unrelent. It's relentless. This and, and a lot of the Marvel movies, forty five minute scenes are like that for me. And they're not bad. They're interesting. They're good. They're well done. People like that. It's I'm I'm in the minority here, but I just don't like unrelenting tension and without any good release. This movie really punctuates it well, and I think it had a lot of good set pieces. It had a lot of diversity of, of locations. It moves properly, like it doesn't it doesn't stay anywhere too long. Um, they really mix up the moods in the movie really well. I feel like I just there's a you know what I would say it is, and and, and I could define it if I got a piece of paper out and really analyzed it. But there's a secret formula, or a secret sauce to MI movies, and it's it's just right. Like they've got the proportions right, and it just works. It just feels good to watch. It's kind of like when I watch Doctor Strange. I can't tell you that I think that movie is... I said masterpiece at the time. I can't tell you that I could defend that movie as a definitive masterpiece you know, right now, but I can say that as I was watching it, it got the formula right to an extent that the whole time I was enjoying myself. And it became bigger than the sum of its parts and better than it could have been just because the, the, the formula is right. Sure. So I just felt like this movie... Two and a half hours. The woman that was serving our food, because we, we were at a, a theater that has food, she was like, yeah, it's like a three-hour movie, and it's going to feel like forever. I couldn't believe she said that. But whatever, she did. Uh, she was perfectly nice. Granted, I'm sure it kind of feels like forever for if when you're a you, server. If you're, right. if you're a server at Alamo and you, see, you have to see the same scenes and movies a thousand times yeah totally understandable yeah, but i'm just telling you what i was told right, you were and so my perspective nervous, i totally yeah. understand her sure, take sure. but for me i'm going into this potentially three-hour movie and somebody tells me it feels like it takes forever sure. you know what i mean so <laughs> as much as she deserves to say that it has an impact it didn't happen i was just i was into it the whole time yeah. and i just was following the flow It just the right amount of character development um emotional um you know, immediacy and, and, and good sure. moments and great action set pieces and twists and turns. And I mean, again, one thing that's interesting, I always talk about on Mr. Twist. I love twists and surprises. A lot of people do. But what's cool, the distinction that this movie taught me is, and this is something a lot of people may already know, but reveals and twists are different. And, and, and almost, almost like turns, I should say, and twists are different. Like this movie has turns and things that happen, but it's not like, oh my God, the whole time I thought it was this and it's but it's really this. That's like a like a shocking twist. This had more of like, oh wow. Oh wait, this person is doing this. Oh now Ilsa's on our side. Oh wait, they were gonna get the mask, but oh now they can't because the face is blasted. Oh wait, they're trying to escape, but up oh, Ilsa jumped in just in time. Constantly, constantly, constantly little surprises around every corner. And as an audience you didn't necessarily feel like horribly manipulated. Yes. yes. Um, That's a good point. Well said. Yeah. And that's important because a lot of these times you do, and it's it ruins it. Yeah, it does. Um, to bring up a, an example of where I feel like it ruined it was um, Sherlock. Um, what was it? I think uh, the you, second one or the first. I've seen them. I don't remember the super. Not the movie. Oh yeah, the, yeah. The BBC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've seen uh, I think it was Sherlock season two. See, the end of season two is where uh, he dies. You know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, season three is him. Yeah, it back was. And all that. It yeah. was. It was Sherlock season two, episode three, the one yeah, with the yeah. media tycoon. Yeah, that one I felt it was audience manipulation, which like spoiler alert. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's fine. He um, dies. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. the um no, it wasn't that the the episode that I'm talking about is 
the one with the media Moogle, and he's and it's oh I know you don't maybe that I don't was remember. season three episode one. That sounds right. Okay. Keep, like, going. Yeah, yeah. keep going. Keep going. We'll look it up. The audience is shown like these glasses, and it's heavily implied that the whole secrets of, of uh, and why you know this media Moogle is, is a able to blackmail all of these people to doing yeah, yeah, what yeah. he wants is because he, he has this treasure trove of like details of all, all this dirt on them that he accesses through the glasses. And the reveal is that um, Sherlock enters, you know, his domain and he's like, you know, I'm just gonna, you know, destroy all of your records. And then it's revealed that this guy doesn't have any records. He's just memorized the whole thing. And to me, I felt that was cheap because it wasn't that... It, it was a twist that w- relies on the audience thinking that it's smart glasses, but we just didn't we didn't think it was smart glasses just because you know that's right right the the directing the story misled us to think it was smart glasses and then just says oh J.K. you know we lied to you this entire time right you know I thought it's, that it's, was cheap it's that- called his last vow. And it's episode three of season three. It's the finale yeah. of the third season. I thought that was cheap. Yeah. I, I felt... There's a lot was, of moments like that that do know, that to you. Where where the tension was was just purely there because we were lied to. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, 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 ver- like a bad MacGuffin. A yeah. bad thing that like we're going to draw you through the whole thing with this thing that needs to be destroyed and oh wait it didn't need to be and you know is that what you're talking yeah, about exactly. yeah exactly and and so yeah they you were bait you were straight played throughout um a lot of that show relies on stuff like that that show is like the the charles dickens best of times worst of times i mean <laughs> it's like some of it is so massively yeah. great well i really didn't like season three so yeah like season yeah, three was yeah, a big bomb yeah. and season four apparently went over with a thought i haven't seen it yet um, the, I'll give you another great example. Another great example, although I didn't see it yet. Season special, the special. Everybody gets taught for six months. We're gonna see, um, you know, Sherlock and 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 uh, you know, he's gonna be in back in Victorian times, but it's gonna ah. be Cumberbatch. <laughs> and oh no, it's not that. You know what I mean? That's all I'll say. It is not that. Um, Sherlock and Watson do not go back in time and solve a mystery. It is a fucking dream sequence, and it's annoying. And that's just the kind of cheapness that that show does. And so, and, and if we really wanted to, and we spent a couple weeks thinking about it and brainstorming together, all of us, we could come up with a ton of examples sure. when we were treated unfairly as the audience. And that's kind of the cardinal sin in this kind of And that's why it is hard to do a twist on that level yeah. to make it... It, to do it in a non-manipulative fashion. It really is. Yeah. And then this movie, I think, really pulls it off. It's a great point. Yeah. And Macquarie has been... I mean, he's... If you look at his trajectory, he's always been um, kind of tw- twists and turns and then action movies. So, like, um, his earliest stuff, he wrote The Usual Suspects. Wow. Um, and then he started directing in recent years, so he did the first Tractor Eater movie. Um, he did The Last Mission Impossible, this one. Um, he even wrote... Um, cause, because Brian Singer directed it, he wrote the like Jack the Giant Slayer movie a few years ago. So he has a really interesting filmography. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, a lot of hits and misses right. there, but 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 I mean, yeah, you look at his origin. I mean, Usual Suspects is, I mean, has one. I mean, take it whether you like it or not, has one of the most iconic twists. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, I don't think it's. I think it's great. I yeah. Mean, uh, I only say whether you like it or not because there was heavy critical. Um, like Ebert hated it, and then a lot of others loved it. Oh. Um, I, I really liked it, but um, but it I mean that just at the end. Um, I hate to mention Kevin Spacey, but um, but it was a 
like you know iconic moment and so anyway it, with his writing he's always been very much in that uh, uh, you know kind of a master of you know doing those big plot twists and then combining it with his ability to direct these amazing action sequences yeah well um it's uh yeah i i mean i he he's done a great job i wish i'd seen five i just haven't yet I think you'd like it. I think you'd like the opera sequence a lot. Uh, okay. I think this one was better than five. I yeah. did too, but I but I enjoyed five a lot when I saw it in theaters. So let me say my one thing is we've been we've been singing the praises of this movie, and there's a sure. lot to love. One thing that I had issue with, and we talked about this when we got out of the movie, was um, something that the entire movie pivots on. So I mean, it's 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 fundamental. Yeah. I think they could have found a better way to handle the August Walker character. It it bothers me that after six or Lark movies, or whatever you want to call him, right, 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 Lark, right. It fundamentally bothers me after six movies that it still has to be the mole in the organization who's the bad guy. I feel like I get the whole thing hinges on that, but I, I feel like there's another way to do that, and I don't really know the solution mm-hmm. there. But it's if at least if they're going to do clearly it, clearly the CIA, IMF, they all need better background checks. I mean, right? <laughs> so, so I get it. Like, and, and the reason I'm not going to be too harsh is every movie, and I believe this wholeheartedly, gets one gimme, one like you just got to buy this, and if you don't buy it, the movie falls apart. Sure. But if you buy it, everything else better not be asking a lot of you. It, it better all stem from that one gimme, right? Fair enough. And so I will give any movie that one, especially sci-fi things where there's a conceit, like you can enter people's dreams, right? That better be the only conceit you got that you're going to make me stretch my belief on. And in this movie, this uh, that's their gimme. So I still could give the movie high scores in spite of this. That said, it is annoying as shit to me that this dude who's high-end operative in the CIA, pretty young, obviously a really good career, right-hand person of the top person in the CIA. And now that I know that he also had all these other people turned in there too, I'm just like, that's even more far-fetched. I mean, how does that happen? The the vetting on these things is is insane. They know them from birth, what they've done. They have security clearances. They've gone through tremendous, rigorous mental testing, and they continue to do that. When did he find the time to pen that, like, manifesto? manifesto. Why does he care so much? How did he he go from being such a patriot to such an evildoer? And, And the thing is also... Now, I want, uh, there's a flip side to this. I will give the movie tremendous credit that it at least did not try to pull the whole the IMF thinks Ethan's a mole again. Yeah. They I'm... knew I wasn't going to go for that. I'd be I'd be crying from to the heavens about, you know, nah, hating it. Yeah, I'd have hated yeah. that. Because there's been, what, four movies that stem on he's, he's the mole, yeah. he's the traitor. It would have been Some the equivalent of, like, Secret Empire in the Mission Impossible Universe, the Captain America storyline where they made him a Nazi, even though it turned out to be fake. But but so, it would have been. But see, the difference with that is that hasn't happened before. Yeah, this has happened four times. So the thing yeah. that I take issue with is there's no one that would ever believe that. And yeah, yeah. even in this scenario, when they make it a different agency that might be susceptible to this intrusion, which was the only, which was clever that they did it that way. But even that, it's like, dude, he has come up bulletproof against the most intense witch hunts that the movie plotting world hive mind could throw at him and he's come out squeaky clean from right. all of that he's put him his people before his life in every scenario he's proven himself more than anybody else and we're going to believe for a freaking second that that this dude that he's lark and always has been i mean it's just 
and then and then beyond that, how did Cavill get placed there? And how did he get assigned where he got assigned? And how did he get introduced into this scenario? It's just so unlikely. For me, that actually didn't bother me so yeah. much because uh, in terms of motivations, we got the manifesto. Um, also, you can maybe interpret, you know, uh, Walker's, you know, big speech to Sloan when he's just like, oh, these might be the reasons why Ethan turned. You know, I you can interpret that and as, as I kind of do that, you know, maybe he was maybe telling a little bit of himself. And what is that? What is it? What is what? Why did he turn? August. Lark. Well, number one, I, I think he genuinely does believe that, you know, greater the pain, you know, the greater the peace, you know. Okay. There is that. And number two, I mean, you know, the the clearly it's shown that the CIA doesn't care too much about destabilizing other governments. So it's work for the American government, it's work for the CIA. Okay, so he learned it from So his, he learned yeah. it from there. And then number two, you know, he's, he's tired of being, you know... Uh, the the dog you know of of just being ordered around so you know a lot of people in these agencies get tired of being the dog get ordered around and turn with a big twist i mean like that's the thing i mean like i my like i just accept that in this world which i don't think is like the real world you know yeah in this fantasy world of mission impossible it's just a, a a taken as fact that a lot of people turn what I, I <laughs> mean, that's, said. that's my gimme of your kid. Right. But like the bigger thing was, is like, also you have to accept in this world, the CIA has no problem with employing White Widow, whose entire plan was to mow down hundreds yeah, or yeah, yeah. like a huge section of the section of the French police force. And the CIA is like, yeah, yeah, this is a great plan, White Widow. <laughs> See, those plot points, yeah, I can accept. I mean, I just, you know, but my thing is, so I'm stealing this also from Cliff because he said it on Internet Picnic, but so they kind of hinge, built up to the idea that um, he, Ethan would have to choose in the finale, like, save one or everyone else. And there never really was that moment. As much as I love the third act, it's pretty, I mean, he's never, like, faced with, you know, a gun to his ex-wife's head. Um, or, you know, save everyone else, you pretty much just yeah. get, like... I, I don't need that. Like, I don't need that. But I, don't, I, I mean, I don't need... But it's just, like, it, you know, it, that's, it, it just, like, they kind of, like, they had kind of teased that and built that up to... And from that first scene, like, where... Well, they do know, sell it at the end. His yeah. wife says it. I mean, yeah, yeah, the, the no, final... No, I don't think... It's Sloan that says it. Oh, you're right. It is. Sloan says that, We need you know, people we like need you. people you're right. like you that, that believe in saving the one as well as saving the many. Yeah. And I kind of agree with you, Kevin, or wherever you got this from. Yeah, yeah, it was Cliff. That, yeah. you know, yeah. it doesn't quite hone in in that third act. Just from a screen editing um, perspective. So. Well, that, there's no decision yeah. to make. Right. There's just point. save the world. That's right. not a that's decision. That's well, right. you'll, yeah. you, so, but they bring it up in the, the first point where he, uh, where he chooses to save Luther... They bring it up again in the second act when yeah. he chooses to say the French police officer. Right. They don't really bring it up in the third fa- uh, par- uh, act unless you want to say, "Oh, well, if he didn't save Luther, Luther wouldn't have been able to be there to deactivate the nuke." Yeah, but that yeah, but like, but that's kind of a because like they built it up because they said like when um, Cavill escapes and he says like. You know, if you even come after me, I, I can I, I can kill your wife. I just call it, yeah. When Superman to become two, who becomes Two Face at the end, that was probably my favorite part. But like, um, uh, 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 but, but, yeah. but I agree with you in the sense that like they built up to it and did, then nothing happened. Like, but. like, what caused Sloane to change her mind? 
Yeah. So drastically. Yeah, so um, drastically. And, well, and another point of it, too, though, I think that does answer your question. Aside from that ending, it answers your question about them being okay with employing the White Widow because they clearly have shown at many junctures that they'll, they're willing to take, you know, save the world by killing 15, 20 people. Yeah. Like that's the, that, that's and, what and she the... wanted to be done. So she was of that mind. You're right, though. Where does that turn come in? And how does what Ethan did in that final act make her believe that now? I get what you're saying. I mean... Yeah. But even then, that's... I mean, I, I didn't really have that... That wasn't much of a problem for me watching, but thinking about after. I was like, yeah, that would have been kind of made more sense. But that's really my own... My, that and the fact... The whole helicopter sequence. Come on. That would have taken longer than 15 See, minutes to do that and diffuse the bottom off the cliff and all that. I tend but to believe whatever. that... Of course. Yeah. I tend to believe that the idea of, you know, having a theme that resonates throughout your piece is very important. Sure. I would have rathered if they just left that Sloan speech off. I mean, I'd have been okay with... I mean, I'm just thinking right now. Right, I, right. I haven't given this a lot of thought. But you're right. It does hammer home a point that wasn't proven. Or at least she certainly didn't have any reason to change her whole tune at that point. Except that she found out she was wrong in the end. But and again, if that's all it takes, well, then Sloan doesn't have any, like, really deep-seated clout. belief. Yeah, she has no... <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So that, that, that may... And saving the world, and it's we need people like Ethan. And if it takes a person that cares about the few... Um, and the many uh, to be this great hero that he is, then maybe I need to rethink my belief on that. Because, like, do, do you guys follow where I'm saying? Like that, that the fact that he cares about every single person is what makes him so amazing. At maybe what this does. could be like the beginning of her change of heart. But like, I like you know, I, I would believe that. But like to say, but for her to say, you know, I've completely changed my mind. Yeah, that was that's a, a bit of a stretch. I think that was a mistake. But I think this also kind of cleverly highlights what Mission Impossible does, and like, it's like if you want to call like the Mission Impossible brand, you know, when you compare it to the James Bond, when you compare it to the um, uh, Bournes, when you compare it to like any other like spy action sequence, you know, or, or movie. Excuse me. Um, Mission Impossible is a team movie. You know, it, it's a it's a spy yeah, team. Yeah, very ensemble. You know, it's an it's, it's an ensemble movie. Whereas James Bond, born, you know, that's that's all about Solo that one hero. agent. Yeah, yeah. Just like Walker is that one agent. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so this was essentially a kind of like a team versus you know the the whole one mentality. Right, right. Um, I have I I don't like that they killed off. You know, <laughs> um, Walker or Lark, I like that character. Yeah, I do too. I think and they should have kept of, it. And we could have, and, and later movies could have resold his turn and made us believe yeah. it more. And I don't like what this movie kind of does with the character of Solomon, and especially like the uh, apostles, I guess, because they're, he's a villain that they chose to keep as opposed to Lark. Right. And, but like, you know, compared to Lark, I. I feel like He's Solomon so much less is interesting. less interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also, at this point in time, Solomon and his apostles, they're essentially a death cult. You know, which to me is like... Way less... more interesting, yeah. yeah. One thing that synopsis didn't bring up that I just flashed back to, there was an earlier scene... Um, no, maybe this isn't... Which is the movie... Was it this movie where there's the... Yes, it is, where the, they think the nukes went off. Yeah, they tricked that guy into admitting movie. it. Th- Who was this... it in the bed? 
Uh, that was the scientist that uh, Lark was working with to develop the the nuclear um, weapons. Weapons. Okay. Uh, now you so the guy's oh, name was uh, Niels De Bruyck. De Bruyck. And that's right. He was in the very beginning of yeah. the talk. But anyway, that was a really good scene. Um, I loved that. That was the first big like like mask pull. <laughs> it was. There was that, and then the Benji. You know, lane one. Right, those, those were the two. Yeah. Those were the two, because yeah. the third one, and they were theoretically, they were. Yeah. The first one, theoretically, would have been, excuse me, the second one would have been the bathroom scene, um, and then they didn't do that. Right. Or, or, you know, when they couldn't make yeah. the mask. So that was really good subversion of, like, oh, they're going to have a ton of these, because, like, in the first and second movies, it's just, like, mask oh, pull, mask pull, yeah. mask pull. Yeah. Oh, no, it's him, but, oh, wait, it's him, but, oh, wait, you got a, you got a recorder and a mask, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it is intense. So in this one, just having two was very measured. A lot of things about this movie were very measured yeah, and yeah. very really well done but that scene was great and I bought it I know we talked about this earlier and I don't think you guys or one of you at least didn't I didn't quite buy it but I liked I like that didn't mean that I didn't like the scene yeah I well no no that's what I mean scene. you didn't when I, when I should have said buy it you bought I knew the, you, exactly where it was going right and I didn't I will I actually thought because it was so small scale they just showed a small island get nuked I thought this movie's called uh, Mission Fallout. Impossible yeah. Fallout. This is going to be the movie where the worst that possible oh, happens. I actually didn't think about it like that. Yeah, I, yeah, that's what I thought. I thought this was going to be the one. Where me it, too. It's called yeah, Fallout because oh, they're dealing with the fallout of yeah. a literal nuclear bomb in the uh, in, at Mecca, Jerusalem, and um, holy sites. Yeah. yeah. The the where the Pope lives right, right. with the Vatican right. and so th- th- that right exactly so that that kind of that was what I thought but also not just because of that but because there's been five movies and all of them are so extreme that what do you do next what's the next threat oh man he failed what a good motivator all these millions of people are dead and devastated because he saved his one friend's life it would have like overly yeah. put that point home I could have seen them go there other movies go that far. Um, just look to uh, the um, I don't know if they ever actually made it happen fully, but um, the ones with uh, Tom Hanks, um, the uh, uh, Da Vinci, whatever it is. Oh, Da Vinci Code. Yeah, yeah Da Vinci yeah. Code. Yeah, those yeah. kind of movies they go that far, right? Um, but do that. Oh. I, I think so. That third one, which I didn't see, but I saw previews of oh, it, like Inferno? the whole world ending and shit. What was that going on there? Did you see it? No, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, see but it. I just saw previews of it. and It looked like a devastation and cities being destroyed, and I don't know. I thought that's what I saw. Yeah. Um, regardless, some movies definitely go that far. Disaster movies certainly do. Um, and this one didn't do that, but I really thought they were going to take that that uh, that stab. goes that far. Yeah. Right. Right. There you go. There you go. That, take, that takes us back. So I really thought they were going to go that far. They didn't go that far. But I'm not mad at that they didn't. But it was a really good twist because I did not expect it. And then when Wolf Blitzer walks out, I was like, "Whoa, that's awesome." That was cool. Um, so that was a really good scene. Aside from that, what are the? I know you love the bathroom scene. What yeah, was it about was. that that really made it for you? It was it was just like you know however many punch fight scenes we've seen in these Daredevil movies, and, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and all these action movies and shows and it was like I've seen this a million times it's not going to surprise me not that it's going to surprise me but it just captured my attention from beginning to end and it have was you just guys a, seen The Raid? no but Mm-mm. I didn't do it yeah, yeah. The Raid is a yeah, fabulous a, yeah, yeah, action yeah. movie yeah? yeah? Raid 2 yeah. Yeah. I need to write that down what is this? The Raid and Raid 2 yeah, I mean no, but what is it? It's an action film um, with Iku Waste, who I think is going to be in an upcoming movie uh, called Mile Twenty Two. He's not the the main guy in Mile uh, Mile Twenty Two, but he's going to be featured. Iku Waste was also had a brief cameo in Star um, 
in the Star Wars film, uh, but he's a big martial arts guy, um, and it, Raid is essentially kind of like Dread, except it came out before Dread. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. Where, you mean it has, I it's, a, it's a building? It's, that, yeah. it's a building. Oh, I love that part of Dread. Yeah, so like the Raid one is like this entire building in the slums of Indonesia, I think, mm -hmm. um, is like run by this one kingpin. Um, and then there's a essentially a um, a police raid that goes horribly wrong, and instead of the policemen like extracting the big uh, kingpin um, and like taking him um, in handcuffs or whatever, um, the entire building is turned against you know this this small group of policemen and they just have to survive oh that sounds rad um and that's the entire plot of the oh movie. i'm in i mean don't tell just, me anymore because i'm in and yeah. it's and it's very punchy and visceral it's amazing the rate it, it's like i remember why guys never got out there and if you want to talk about its influence like um uh, when they made Captain America Winter Soldier, uh -huh. they pointed to the raid as influence wow. for some of the some of the fights. Like the scenes. elevator scene yeah, and all that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, no, I mean, that's, I mean, just on that level, it was just so well-coordinated. Um, like you said, you mentioned that crowd of guys that, um, and actually, one of the friend I saw with the first time said, the, he's like, I wonder if they, even though this guy's a good fighter, all that. Wonder if they got the wrong guy here, and it's about to like go down or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 that would have been cool too. Yeah, but this, anyway, but that uh, scene's great. Yeah, it was. That fantastic. scene's great. How about you, Young? Any particular favorite scenes? Um, for me, like if I go back and watch this on IMAX, it would be to um just take in some of the great wide shots, like the the camera direction of the car car chase sequence, the the way that the camera was so low to the ground. That was amazing. The Halo jump, I think, in IMAX would be beautiful. <laughs> the wide shots of "quote unquote" Kashmir would be beautiful. The helicopter sequences, beautiful in IMAX. Just, I think, for me, some of the cin cinematography, just overall, yeah. that's what I, I I come back to in this film. Actually, probably even more so than some of the action sequences. Wow, just the way that it's 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 shot. Wow, that's that's that says a lot. I mean, these movies have always been trying to push the envelope. Um, I, I watched, like like I said, the, the the special features on Mission Impossible Two, and while that movie's not fantastic, um, it yeah, does... for me that's a worse one. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, no <laughs> question, no yeah. question, definitely my least favorite. But there's redeeming qualities. I like it better than there. I like a lot of action movies, um, and. It has that really cool intro. Do you remember the one where he's hanging on the, the mountain? Yeah, yeah, that's a great first scene. I mean, he's just he's on vacation and he's mountain and rock climbing. Speaking of which, I mean this this film does a callback to that because the, the in the third act, you know, there's there's climbing in the mountain face. That's right. You know, that's also right. I think it's heavily implied that White um, Widow is the daughter of uh, one of the characters in the first one, right? Not Tandy Newton's character, or Tandy. No, that's, Tandy Newton's uh, is um, in the second one, not the first one. Um, so, yeah. Interesting. I don't remember enough of the characters. Yeah, the yeah. Ones, but. but anyway, the second one, that first scene is just the sweeping wide shots. And that movie is really well shot, although it's not a great movie plot-wise in my mind. I really like the way that Mission 2 was shot, especially that intro scene. I mean, I really like felt like he was hanging there. And he really sells the whole, like, I'm on this, I'm about to lose my life, it's so dangerous, and I'm just chill. And he really pulls that off well, because Tom yeah. Cruise almost is that guy. You almost yeah. have to be Tom Cruise to make these movies, which is not something you can say for a lot of actors in a lot of films. So um, I, was, uh, I was a big fan. Okay, overall thoughts, guys. 
Um, final final uh, verdict. What do you think? I mean, definitely the best one I've seen, and I think even if I go back and watch the others, I still think it'll be my favorite out of the franchise. So. Because it's, it steps it up, because it's so well done, yeah, because of yeah. everything? I mean, what is it about it? Yeah, I mean, for all the reasons we mentioned, just the relentlessness of it that is also not exhausting, um, that it does have some character depth to it, not, you know, I mean, like, the, you know, character study by any right, means, right. but, I mean, it has some heart to it. Um, it just, it kept my interest the whole time. Um, some really memorable sequences, great chemistry between the lead, yeah. all, the whole cast. Um, Better. And Henry Cavill is someone who, like, I mean, I always like, but I, I think, like, you know, out of the times he's played Superman, he hasn't really gotten a chance to really prove what he can do there, just because, yeah. I mean, not to diss on DC movies again, but he just doesn't, hasn't had the writing to really yeah. Yeah. explore that character as much. Here, even though a lot of times he is on, he's on screen, he's just punching people and doing stuff, he still, I thought, brought a lot of... Um, I mean, he wasn't stiff the whole He's time. also he tremendously charismatic. More, right, I think right. you really he said it well when, of the character when and, you said that yeah. you'd like to see him in the, and you're disappointed he died because he is very yeah, interesting. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, while yeah. that was a really cool sequence. But also yeah, that was another thing that, like, spoiled me to, like, say... Uh, that there's no way that Henry Cavill is not going to be the bad guy in this movie. Right. <laughs> because if you had, like, Tom Cruise... I thought it was given away plus, in the trailer. Yeah, plus, plus Henry Cavill. Movie. I mean, what kind of villain is... Are they... Yeah, really. <laughs> that is, like... Oh, Solomon Lane? You know, yeah. They gotta fight Thanos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't... There's no And, and there's no other big-name actors. Yeah. Like, yeah, Willem yeah, Dafoe yeah. is not in it. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So... I mean, it's like Ooh, Alec Baldwin going to turn is like... It's like, I mean... Yeah, is Tandy Newton gone bad? She's back? I mean, but she's not in it. So, yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. I just always try to, and I guess this is just a skill that I have, to try to suspend thinking that he's going to be the bad guy because I know I won't enjoy <laughs> it as much, you know? Yeah. And, I, and, I, and it helped me with Billy Crudup in, in number three. Yeah. Um, take Final take? Yeah, for me, uh, this was a, also, like, my favorite of the Mission Impossible series. Um, I have a few friends who, who basically say, this one was too dark, this one was too Oh, dark. Jesus. But, like, for me, uh, I mean, like, I'm kind of a dark person anyway. <laughs> we were you were you were singing the praises of sharp objects earlier. That show is yeah. dark. Um so oh, I can't wait to go home and just uh, Yeah, that actually is a sentence that happened. Oh, yeah. nice, nice Sunday evening comfort. I will say though that that is the joy of geek right there. You know what I mean? To think yeah. about going home and watching sharp objects with some popcorn and the joy of that, that is the essence of this show. Anyway. Yeah, so I mean like I, I'm perfectly fine with this and I'd be fine if they even went darker. But, you know, I, I'm really happy with this. It, it had the smartness of, like, the first one because I thought the first one was really smart, really clever, but, like, none of the characters really, at that point in time, emotionally resonated with me. Right. I thought the second one was really over the top. It was full of woo, and I was like, okay, <laughs> The woo. Yeah, yeah, the woo. The excuse woo. me. It was yeah. full of woo and anytime made by the met, woo. Anytime we mentioned John Woo on this podcast, we were referring to him as the okay. woo. Okay, he's, he's the woo. Yeah. He's the, the woo. Yeah. I'm gonna get like the sound clip I think of. He's the woo. What do you want? <laughs> the third one had like it. I, I, I had emotion. It resonated with me emotionally because they brought in the whole Julia thing. And he's like out of the game, and then also, um, it, you know, the whole thing with kidnapping of Julia. That was that, that got me. Uh, four uh, was a bit uh, too silly uh, for me because that one was Brad Bird's, and it was just like. Uh, kind of gimmicky. It's like, oh, I'm gonna climb Burj Khalifa or whatever. You know, the tallest building in the UAE. Just to freaking do it. It's right, like, yeah. yeah, okay, that's. And then that was too gimmicky for me. Uh, six, I really liked. It was intellectual. Five. 
uh, you, you did four. Oh, uh, five. Uh, six was this one. Five. Uh, was really intellectual. Um, I thought it was smart. I thought it was um, almost almost as good as six. But what took me out of it was that they had this opera sequence where it's like, oh, every yeah, kind of love this. It's gonna but be like, every single instrument is now a gun. <laughs> oh like, god, oh, yeah. that's like, pretty silly. It, I know it was. That's but some that, woo but shit. He, but that's no, some but, woo right but that's there. That's why I talk about Chris McQuarrie. Is that he you know like <laughs> that's why I like him the best out of the directors of as the most movies is that he does both the exaggerated over the top nonsense and the visceral. So, all right, so all right, I'll buy it. So oh, yeah. so there was that sequence. But also, um, the opera that they happen to go see, I, I think, it is Turindo. And, like, it's... It yeah, has, see, I, you had more of a connection to that. I, yeah, I, I, and, uh, like, that is extremely popular. The theme of Turindo, Nason Dorma, you know, all of that. I mean, like, the composer does, you know, allusions to that opera, like, musically. They play themes from it. And, like, for me, who had seen the opera, I was like... Okay, well, you keep bringing bringing up this mu- these musical cues, and it's taking me out of the movie, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So for me, for those reasons, six, I actually enjoy the best. It had um, it hit me emotionally, um, like three. It was smart and clever, you know, like one and uh, five, and it had just enough gimmicks for me, like four. Interesting. Nice. And so- it had did not have the woo. Right, right, right. We don't need the woo in this. So for me, um, I it's it's where I am right now. It's about I, I think I like three and six about the same. I, I almost want to give three the nod, but only because of nostalgia and the feeling of. I think it has the best villain in any of them. I think that's pretty. Yeah, you know, you I mean, Henry Cavill's really good, but it's Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Like he can't even top himself because he's gone now, unfortunately. Um, but I mean, he is just—he's so good in that, and he's so menacing in that. And then they sell the emotional stuff so well. And that movie was sort of the archetype for the team, the core team. Uh, and 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 also, it has a lot of tones of one. And one is a movie that, like, again, nostalgically, I feel so strongly about. I love it that aquarium scene. So one, three, and six to me are just. They're all just phenomenal films, and I don't usually say that about blockbusters. I'm so not the biggest blockbuster really fan. So you really love nine. <laughs> right, 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 right. That's a great point. That's a, let's get some 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 uh, multiples of right, yeah. uh, prime factorizations or whatever you call it. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I love those three with the best, but I haven't seen five. Um, four, I barely remember, and two was you know it's it's the woo. I mean, what can you say? I mean, you know it's. It's in a class by itself. I really itself. want the woo to direct another one just to get Rich's reaction. Oh man, really I'll awesome. just be like, dude, it's the he's the woo. What can yeah. I say? And that'll be my review. It? <laughs> It'll be my review. One word: the woo. Um, on the scale of one to ten, it scores. You a have woo. seen Face Off, though, right? I have, but I don't remember it that okay, well. Yeah, yeah. And I do know it's that, on Netflix. If you want to go back and read, oh, I'm going to. Oh gosh, it's it, that movie is like cinematic poetry. I love it. Is it? Is it? It's really? so over the top I in every respect that it's beautiful. <laughs> you know, I, you know, like okay, like the opera yeah. sequence you were just talking about. Imagine that on crack with pigeons or dogs. Sorry, but like I mean, like it's just like the mo and it, and it's self referential for how ridiculous the plot is. They, there's and it a video knows game. it and it goes on for two hours and it is beautiful. There's has, a, there's a video game um, called Stranglehold that was made by John Woo. He directed yeah. it or was like a creative director or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the whole movie is like you've got two guns, you're running through Japan and you slide all the time so you jump and slide so you're sliding <laughs> pop 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 slide pop 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 oh, doves fly oh, pop 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 
I mean, it's like it's like the ulti- It's like you play as a John Woo movie, and that was like one of that my big fantastic. touchstones when I was thinking about yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. him. Um, but that um, fantastic. but anyway, so I mean, they're, they're, these are just great movies. But um, but yeah, man, three is whew, three is good, and six is man, is it good? And I'm just so glad this movie's getting the success that it is. Yeah, because. Yes, it's a franchise, but it's not a cinematic universe in the same way that Star Wars is, in the same way that DCEU is, and especially the MCU. Although you never know. Watch them blow well, up a I Benji mean, movie. I mean, like. they don't, they don't, right, <laughs> yeah, right. I know. But moreover than that, this no, is I, a I series that has been as successful as those films without having way to go there. Way before a cinematic universe. And without them. having to yeah, go there, right, even now. They're right. still just making Mission Impossible movies, as they always did. Right, right. This movie doesn't have to be anything other than that, and it's getting the success. So that, in and of itself, makes me super happy happy sure they can make a movie like this without all this anyway um, oh, i agree so uh anyway i think we all loved it Very much yeah so. um on that note um quick thing go around the room talk about the next thing you're going to be enjoying we already know about sharp objects so aside from that anything uh that you're gonna be checking out soon um, more baki as an asian american i kind of need to watch crazy rich asians okay all right um, that, that 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 trailer is on like five times every bachelor episode Oh, really? Yeah. They had the stars come on there. And I like... really... Okay, this this is, you know, just just a, another, like, I guess, an, a, an aside. I read the book. I liked the book. Oh, okay. Um, it's it's um, a fun summer read. Um, no one's going to point to this and, and say, oh, this is high literature. New Jane Austen, right? Yeah, no, 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 no. This is, like, you know, guilty pleasure, like, tabloid, like, level, you know. Yeah. I was like, what's the latest gossip? Um... The trailers and what I've seen th- thus far is kind of cringy to me. Um, I really hope it does okay. Um, there's another one, um, another net, another thing that's coming up that I think is like another touchstone for a lot of going to be for uh, uh, Asian Americans. Um, there's going to be a Netflix series um, with the actor that played. Um, that was in X Men Ju- uh, Jubilee, I think. Oh, you uh, don't mean Olivia Munn? No, she's not. No. Oh. Uh, something Condor? If it was in Apocalypse, I didn't even see Apocalypse, so. Uh. Uh, Jubilee and X-Men. Like, was Jubilee in Apocalypse? Yeah. Okay, that's why, yeah. I know. Um, so that's, that's going to be also based off of a book. Um, and it's going to be a Netflix series about like this girl who you know writes letters, but never sends them to all of her crushes. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, obviously the letters are released, and then um, there you go. That's the plot of the show. Okay. Uh, the right. actress's name is Lana Condor. Um, so those are two things that I, I guess, as an Asian American, I, I, I want to be okay. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, they're both like romance like things. Um, yeah, so cool. that's what I'm gonna gonna be on the look uh, looking out for in the future. Kevin, very cool. Um, let's see. Well, right now it's like the Meg could just open in theaters, so I don't know that I'll be checking oh, that that's out. That's also but, based uh, on a book. But yeah, uh, that's based on a book, really. The it's medic? based on a book. Yeah, the Meg is wow. The Meg is a book. Oh no! I gotta see this book. Uh, I just can't yeah. believe it. Okay, the, here's the problem I have with the Meg. I love underwater bases, yeah. and I hate movies like this. Yeah. So, like, I almost want to see it because I want to see sweet ass underwater base. That's fair, but um, I guess the next movie I'm really looking forward to is the Halloween reboot, which doesn't come to October, but I'm still stoked for it. 
Um, and I don't even like Halloween as much as Freddy Krueger, but that said, the trailer for this looks amazing. Okay. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I am going to finish up the Anarchy and then watch, I'll, I'll review the Mayan and you're gonna, pilot to see. Black Clansman's uh, coming out, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that looks really good, actually. Um, because it looks kind of like, I mean, bamboozled in terms of Spike Lee's exaggerated satire, so I am really interested in checking All right, here's out. a story real quick. Um, the New York Times. The Meg is a surprise box office monster. Going into the weekend, the Meg looked like the big fat belly flop for Warner Brothers. Surveys indicated minimal interest in the killer shark movie, which cost at least 200 mil to make and market. Rival studios snickered that Warner's new marketing chief had made a rookie mistake in backing the Meg with a campy ad campaign. Make the joke of your own non-comedic movie, the Hollywood conventional wisdom holds, and ticket buyers will stay home. Well, guess who's getting the last laugh? The Meg is a brassy, brainless, computer-generated mishmash, and it took in 44.5 million at North American theaters, roughly 120% more than analysts had expected. The Meg collected an additional 97 mil overseas, with China contributing half of that total. And it's uh, it's number one this this past weekend. It, it overtook uh, Mission Impossible. Whoa! What week three or four is that for Mission? Uh, from Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible uh, came out um, July twenty seventh. So this is week three. So four. this is yeah. No three maybe. Is uh, this is week three. Wow! I can't believe it got beat on week three. It still made a ton of money, but. That's uh, the Meg, I, man. The, the, the Meg and the then, MFing Meg. My favorite box office thing recently is the Teen, Titan, Teen Titans Go to the Movies beat the total box office earnings for Justice League already. Really? No yeah. way. Yeah. That's yeah. not possible. That be- when did I it come out? I believe it, but I mean... Wait, no, when did it come out? Like a few weeks ago. Oh, okay. Like a couple... But not even, not even a month ago. Like two or three weeks ago, maybe. I can... It's miss- actually... People have said it's pretty funny. Uh-huh. It's I like, want it to be it's good. Like Deadpool. I will... It's like Deadpool for kids. They said it's well, very both self-referential. Of you have yet to, and... Both of us have yet to see it. We will go watch it. Okay, cool. Um, no. I will watch it this this week. Um, it, Unless that meme is wrong, but I've seen that meme going around. It has a 6.9 that... uh, out of 10 on IMDb. Yeah, but the box, I, I've heard that it's... I want... Um, I would... I think I'm going to watch it. What is it called? Teen, Teen Titans, Titans go. go to the movies. Go to the movies. Yeah, yeah. It has to yeah, go to the movies. Yeah, the uh, okay. Nicholas Cage voices Superman in it. That's yep. if nothing else, I want to see for that. Cumulative worldwide gross right now twenty six million. No, that's not. No, that's that doesn't. Maybe make... it beat it opening weekend. I don't know. It beat it in some way, but uh... mm. okay, I think that's fake because because I mean it's not. If it made twenty six million, I mean Justice League made five hundred. You, know, I mean maybe it was more profitable. That could have been it. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe. I don't Interesting. Know. Yeah. I wonder what that's. I wonder what's at the root of that. Um, but um, but anyway, you guys are gonna go see it, huh? Yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah, I mean, like if nothing else, just purely for the tease of season six of right? the original Teen Titans. That was crazy. Yeah. Which I mean, I've already seen on on sites. Yeah, I know. But still, <laughs> that was God. There's so many episodes. The there's 52 episodes a season of Teen Titans Go. Well, Teen Titans Go is different. We're not the original like, Teen Titans series, though. I don't, I don't hate Teen Titans Go, the TV series. Okay. Um, I'd watch it over Titans. But, uh. <laughs> <laughs> have you? What are your thoughts? Have you seen the Titans trailer? Oh, gosh, yeah. What Kevin do you and I have talked about this. This is this is painful. I feel so... We had Rich watch the trailer live on the podcast. I feel really bad for the actors that are involved in that project. Yeah. 
I don't blame them. I know. Oh, I don't blame them for doing it. I would take that. I blame but, the like, producers. Yeah. I blame... And Jeff Johns is in... in I don't know. I, know. I don't know how better. that happens. That I mean, better. so let's... let's Bro, Lancey is credited, too. Is but. F. Batman really that bad? I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Is that really that bad? Yes. Yeah, I, okay. Well, I, it's right. that, but it's everything else in there, too. It's If it was... If that was the only thing, I could... I could kind of live with that but it's every that whole trailer yeah the darkness of it the the, yeah Yeah. it's it's messy man yeah it's messy but yeah so yeah that's all i'll be checking out yeah all right halloween a bunch of comics the usual so every time i podcast and that's one of the things i love about this is i find like a new like four or five things to put on the pile of shame and i'm gonna raid uh, the raid is on the top seems like that's really prime Number two is catching back up on Sharp Objects, so the next time we chat, we can catch up on it. And um, there's a couple... Oh, and I want to finish, like, missions three through five. So, again, you know, my rewatch of four, you, you get you get the drill. Um, anyway, on that note, uh, Kevin, where can they find us? And then we'll do our individuals, me and you. Uh, you can find us at thejoyofgeek.net. It's probably the easiest place because all our content is there. Um, you can find me on Twitter at KWShafe. I rant about... Um, stuff for my day job, stuff for this comic stuff. So it's it's not really hard to find out what's going on in my world. But right, that's yeah. right. You're an open book, Kevin, yep. to, to, which is great. Uh, young, I'm young. Uh, where can they find you? Anywhere? What's your on, last you got name? a Twitter? You want to say your last young name? Young Lee. Yeah. I, don't, I don't. I have a Twitter. I barely use it. Okay. I mean, like my Facebook's not really public. I have Instagram. It's not really public either. All right, it's cool. Um, You're an enigma. Star- Young's a ghost. Okay. <laughs> you'll be, let's put it this way. We hope that you'll be on here more often. If you play StarCraft and you want to help <laughs> me improve my Terran, because <laughs> I suck at the game even though I love the game, That's okay. maybe you can find me on Battle.net. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, anyway, yeah, Young Lee. Nobody else has that name, so that's good. Just kidding. Yeah. Super common name. <laughs> Hugely kidding. Um, anyway, um, and on that note, uh, um, you can find me at Rich Lepore, which is pretty self-explanatory. Glad I was able to grab that uh, that gem. Um, anyway, um, this has been really fun. Thanks for coming on, Young. It was a blast. Yeah, um, blast. And uh, Mission Impossible, FTW. Um, uh, this I, podcast will now self-destruct. Yes, it will. It yeah. will. It will. I am Rich Lepore. Kevin Shaver. Young. And we will see you soon. Take care.